Halo, halo, Sacred Icon listeners. We used to do ads for other people, but I decided, why don't we do one for ourselves? Whether you're here listening to us for the first time or you've heard every episode, I'd like to briefly tell you what we're about and how you can support us. We have been doing this podcast since 2019, and with that has come lots of changes. We started as a primarily Halo-only show, but have evolved, combat evolved, over the years to talk about a wide variety of things in the realm of nerd culture. As you can imagine, we've made numerous changes to our platforms, usernames, and emails over the years, so now is the time for me to set things right and give the Covenant back their bomb. You can join our Discord by clicking the link included on our podcast feed. You can also send us an email or a voice message at sacrediconpodcast at gmail.com. We have a YouTube channel at youtube.com slash sacredicon, and we no longer use Twitter or X or whatever else the kids are calling it these days. So if you see someone who looks like us there, just know it's not us. Lastly, you can support us on patreon.com slash sacredicon and receive a bevy of bonus content. We're so glad you chose us to be the voice in your ear on this particular day and hope you enjoy the episode ahead. What's good, everyone? Happy holidays, seasons, greetings, and Merry Christmas. Welcome back to another episode of the Sacred Icon Podcast, a podcast for video game enthusiasts by video game enthusiasts, everyone. Welcome back to a little part two special of the Game Awards. You guys saw us covering that last week, which was a lot of fun to do. We talked about the nominees, and we are back to talk about the results and a little bit of around that. Joshy Hargis, Brian Arvett. Brian, this is like... The Oscars for you, man. You look forward to it. It's something you get really hyped for. I think you said in the last episode you were taking a nap so you could stay up to watch it. Then you had to go right back down to bed, I think. So you barely got any sleep going into work because you didn't want to miss this. Did you have a good time? I had a great time. I thought this was, um, on one hand, one of the better Game Awards shows. There's another angle where it wasn't as good, but I don't. we'll touch on that. I don't want to talk about that too much because I more just want to enjoy the the fun of, of the Game Awards. Um but yeah, it sucks that I, you know, I feel like, and it's nobody in our Discord or it's nobody in our community, but you always feel like you have to have your defenses up for when you say you're excited for the Game Awards, because the first thing people want to say to you is like, uh, you know that it's rigged, right? Or you know that the awards don't matter, right? Or you know that it's all about money or it's all about advertisements, right? And it's like, yeah, I do know all of that. I just love sitting there and enjoying the show. It's a lot of fun for me. It's fun every year. I'm not pretending that this is a charity event or a save the world campaign. It's just a, it's just a big advertisement for games with announcements and, and awards that don't get the spotlight that maybe they should. Um, so yeah, I mean, people always feel like they have to uh, question why you're excited for it. And then there's so much pessimism too after it's over. Every year I watch the Game Awards and all these you know publications try to make articles tearing it to shreds, um, but all of them were, are looking forward to it beforehand. And there are a lot of times with their real publications, they're in the crowd. Um, so, but hey, that's that's what it is, right? That's that's what comes with. That's the the pro and the cons to doing something like this is you're going to get heat. And um, do you feel like you're in the minority with liking it? No, I actually no, I don't. I think I'm out of touch think, with this stuff. That's what I'm asking. I think I'm in the majority. I think most people do like it, but we just we just have such a state of pessimism. On the internet and the gaming culture, you know, this sucks, that sucks, everything sucks. I think most people enjoy it. They just don't want to admit it because you feel like you feel like you're not as highbrow if you like it or something like that. And it's mm-hmm. like just to, I just enjoy it. You know, I'm not saying and the thing the truth of the matter is, any of these awards that that go out, 
I mean, what do they mean, really? Like, I mean, GameStop, or GameStop, GameSpot, or IGN, or, you know, any of those companies, they're going to give their own Game of the Year awards and stuff. Like, you can still, like, like let's say, um, let's say Final Fantasy 16 got Game of the Year from IGN. They could still release a Final Fantasy 16 edition of the game that says Game of the Year edition. Like, it doesn't matter if the Game Awards is what you know, gave the award or not, you know, so, but it is obviously the most prestigious of, of the game awards, uh, events or, or, or awards that are given out. But, um, can you answer yeah, me this guess, real quick yeah, go ahead, Josh. before yeah, go. we get into everything? I didn't see this anywhere. I didn't watch it guys. I just looked up the TLDR stuff. Whereas Brian watched it. I take it. There was nobody storming the stage for this one, huh? They had a shit ton of security, dude. There's no way you're getting up there. And well, they it, got the hell's I, angels. I don't know if it was confirmed or not, but, it looked like they only allowed two people to come to the stage at a time. So mm-hmm. you couldn't have like your whole, like half a studio up there like they've had before. Um, but yeah, let me just address it. We might as well just get this out of the way so we can go on to the fun stuff. Have you heard about like what the, the big complaint? There's actually some legitimate complaints with this year. Yeah. Game Awards. Have you? Yeah. I mean, basically more so than any other year, they stripped down the awards, stripped down the speeches, stripped down the opportunities for the people who worked on these games to have any kind of spotlight. There was a big like PowerPoint screen that, that said, please wrap it up like 15 seconds into their speaking. They had a total of 30 seconds to speak. Obviously, this was an overcorrection to what happened with Christopher Judge last year where he spoke for about eight and a half minutes when he was supposed to speak for less than one. Um, and they even the funny thing is he came out on stage this year and, and joked about how he did made that mistake. But then they proceeded to give everyone... 30 seconds or less before playing them off. And there's even like um, Neil Newbun, who from, from um, Baldur's Gate 3, he was making a really riveting, like emotional speech and he started to get played off the stage at 30 seconds before 30 seconds. And he was so like that stuff was really bad. Um, obviously this is the year that the gaming industry has lost the most employment. Like, you know, I think like 40% of the workforce has been laid off or fired or whatever. Um, so, in a year like that, and then in an, an event that's supposed to be, you know, celebrating what people have done in the games industry, um, you either a lot of these awards that I thought were big awards. I thought that the person who won best soundtrack would get to go on the stage. No, it was on the side stage, mentioned by Jeff real quick, and then and 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 then just moved on to the next category. Nobody got to accept it. Nobody got to say anything. I mean, a lot of awards that like. You really thought I understand some of the smaller ones like I don't know like I guess the esports stuff or or maybe or maybe even like they did they did the best family game uh, at the pre show which was Super Mario Wonder one uh, which I'd still like them to be able to come up and speak as well but like that one makes a little more sense like okay you're doing the family one before the official thing starts but a lot of these were big awards that they didn't get to speak at all and if they did get to come to the stage two people got to come to the stage and they got thirty seconds and before the thirty seconds even hit they were playing the music to get them off the stage. Um, uh, what's his name? Sven from Baldur's Gate 3, the, the the lead of Larian. He he had planned, him and his studio had planned that if they won the game of the year, which they probably assumed was likely, he was going to announce while accepting the game award that Baldur's Gate 3 is now playable on Xbox. You can play it now. And because he was rushed off in 30 seconds, he forgot. He forgot to say it. And then... People just, the Game Awards was over, and people were like, well, I guess it's not going to be shadow dropped. And then people got on their Xbox dashboards, and it was there to buy. And it was like, ah, so like that was a huge screw up. Um, so basically, I mean, that's that's really the, the elephant in the room. 
the show as an event, something that's fun for consumers to watch, I think it was pretty spectacular. A lot of publications I've listened to or watched or read, they seem to agree that the show from a consumer standpoint was awesome. Lots of cool performances and like stuff like that and reveals. Lots of good reveals, actually. Um, but yeah, just the, they kind of didn't, there wasn't a lot of read in the room here. You can even go back to what you said on the nominees uh, episode, Josh. You were like, ah, Destiny 2 shouldn't be here. And I was like, well, yeah, but it was locked in before the, the layoffs of Destiny even happened. And you were like, oh, they should have still found a way to like course correct that shit. I'm sure a lot of people would agree with you. I mean, that's just that coupled in with everything else kind of just seems like there wasn't much reading of the room here at all. Like, it seems like they, like, and I don't want to, I say they because I can't imagine Jeff throws this whole show himself. Like, he has coordinators and people and all that stuff. Of course, he's responsible probably more than potentially anyone. Um, But it seems like so much effort was put into making this an entertaining show that would draw eyes, which you obviously want to do when you're spending this kind of money to have a program. But not so much of it was spent looking into the industry, what was going on, what the feelings were like, how to celebrate these people. And that's a shame, but... Josh, what, do you have anything you want to say about that before we get into um, GTA? Yeah, we'll get 6? the negative stuff out of the way first yeah. before we get into the fun stuff. Yeah, I think Jeff. I, th- I think it's I th- everything I've read from that sounds like it was a joke. Jeff Keeley wants the validation of Hollywood so bad. I mean, I'm reading. You know, everything I, that you like said. That, everything that you said. You know, you're talking about the people getting rushed off. Some of the awards being, uh, you know, off to the side and stuff. And then I hear that he has Hideo Kojima again up there, kind of like, like twelve minutes. You know, uh, I mean, uh, uh, with Hideo it felt Kojima. like forever. He's and up there forever. <laughs> why does he have? Why does he take forever with Hideo every time? Because there's some Hollywood aspect to it, and you have Jordan Peele up there with him. You have Timothy Chalamet come out, which was cool. We'll get into that, I'm sure. But you have him come out, who's this Hollywood star? You got to always have these Hollywood aspects to it, and he's got his Hollywood pals, his reptilian friends, and then he's got all these like announcements, and it like that overshadows what's supposed to be the most important thing, and that's all these people that put their blood, sweat, and tears into these video games that we care about, that we try to defend, and then it kind of gets washed over because we're like, oh, new game announcement, awesome, you know, I and that's what I was seeing is a lot of a lot of split discourse on it because some people were like, yeah, 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 the I, I don't I don't care about who won really, I just just want to see did spider-man 2 win oh it didn't win anything uh okay oh new game announcement awesome and then these other people that are like well this is the more important stuff and i'm to me if it's called the game awards and the majority of your show is spending time with these big celebrity hollywood people that you like it just does not make him look good it, i'll put it this way i didn't watch it again i wasn't i didn't see all the context but i've seen tweets i've seen stuff on reddit i've, I've read like the forbes article on it it just validates everything I feel about Jeff Keeley, which is like he just wants so bad to have the validation of Hollywood. And it just sucks because it's like all these people getting rushed off stage that shouldn't. They're getting invited there. They're packing their clothes. They're flying out and they're sitting at this place to maybe go up and probably having a speech prepared. And then, like you said, which was perfect, felt like a big overreaction of Christopher Judge. I think he should be ashamed, and I think he's got to fix that next year and really show that, like, this is the more important thing. Like, yeah, you want to have announcements. That's a bonus of, you know, that that should be the bonus of tuning in is you're going to have these cool announcements, and maybe you'll have, like, some people from Hollywood peppering in. But it, it sounds like that stuff kind of took more of the forefront than it did some of these other things. And, and with things like layoffs, it felt like that just kind of got swept under the rug. And it's like, you're very corpo now, Jeff. You're very corpo now. So, But that's just yeah, my take, know, and I didn't watch it. 
despite the fact that I'm a lot more kind on Jeff Keighley than Josh, I obviously don't. <clears throat> I obviously don't have as much of a hate boner for him as you do. I think everything you just said. I don't said even think I have a hate boner, Brian. I well, think I think every, just... everything you said is fair, though. That, that was what I was going to say. Mm-hmm. I, don't, I don't think you said anything out of pocket. I think it all was right. all fair. Um, but, I mean, you just you just liked him before the show a lot more than you know I did is what I'm trying to say. But everything you said was, was fair and on point. Um, it does seem like Jeff really wants the show to be prestigious, really wants to be in the, in the good graces of you know the actors and the Kojimas of the world. Um, and it seemed like not a, you know not only not addressing anything in the industry, but then cutting everyone off, it just felt off. And and while it's possible that Jeff isn't solely to blame for all this, he might be. And it's obviously we're all going to think he is, right? Because he's it's it's. I mean, people call the awards the Keeleys oftentimes because oh, really? it's just it's it's him, you know. Um, so yeah. Well, it reminds me of. That summer game fest debacle where the guy got on stage and he couldn't really move past the situation. And especially now after this one, it kind of feels like in retrospect, he was so embarrassed in front of his big Hollywood friends that he just was like, you know, it's just so sad that people come up here and just ruin so what so many people have worked so hard to put together, you know, and all these people want to show off their games. And then what does he do? He kind of gives the middle finger to all those people, scuttles into the side. Swen, who dresses up in armor to go accept the Game of the Year award yeah. and shadow drop a game, doesn't even get to do that because you rush through because you spend more time with Tadeo Kojima and Jordan Pill and Matthew McConaughey and Timothy Chalamet and all these other people. So yeah, I, mean, I, I, I don't hate him. I love that he's trying to do that, and he gives a summer game fest in a time when we don't have E3 anymore. He's just got to do better. Like you're the, you're the face of that, and I understand that you probably want to. If I'm in his position, I want to elevate the game awards past the Doritos and Mountain Dew stereotype it used to have. But at the same time, like you're kind of forced. It, it feels like at least just what I've seen, what I've read, it feels like it was a little too forceful this time, and he's got to like try to ease back a little bit for next. It year. does feel like he he wants this is Jeff's show, and Jeff wants it to go his way. <laughs> I bet that's what he says to himself in the mirror too. This is Jeff's show, and it's going Jeff's yeah. way. Yeah, I think I think the the biggest difference between us, Josh, because I, I think everything in regards to this show where we pretty much agree on is mm-hmm. I tr- I try to be optimistic about the other side of it because because I'd like to think that what he probably wanted to do I, I think everything we've said about him like really being caring about it being prestigious and wanting things to go his way I, I, I think that's true but I, I'd like to believe and I do believe that you know he probably wants to make this a spectacular event for everyone he wants to make it, it to be exciting he wants to have cool people there he wants to have cool performances he wants to he wants to th- he wants to give the industry that he loves so much a good show. Now that that's not me exempting any of his problems. I'm just saying that like I've been in those shoes before where like I try to, I try to do something cool and then I end up looking like a dick or making a mistake and it's I it wasn't intentional as much as like maybe it's like you do need to apologize for it but like for instance I can remember like this is so like what a, what a weird example but like when uh we all used to hang out in the basement at my parents' house, the basement room we always loved to hang out at, we talk about it on the podcast. I was kind of like that sometimes. I I wanted things to go a certain way. I mean, I wanted to stall out fun, but I wanted things to go. I, I didn't want the lights to be on, which I remember that was a big thing that I always wanted. I didn't want lights on, and everyone I don't else think I contested that on. though, did I? Because I, I know we're both. I think you, we're you both didn't contest it, but to different regards. You didn't contest it at all, but you did say you preferred the lights on. Justin and Creighton. Well, hey, would, you got me put you know, on the the lights off with um, the gaming experience down there. So like, yeah, I wanted the lights off, and then you know, and then like maybe you know. 
Justin would say, let's move the bed or something. And I'd be like, no, Justin I don't want always to move the bed. To move stuff around. I mean, really, really, Justin was probably more uh, anal about Wanted to stuff have the TV a certain way so he could sit and see yeah. both of us, which was cool, though. But yeah. But it's sometimes, sometimes it's hard to step back and say, is this really, I'm saying that this is for other people. Am I treating it that way? Because if, because maybe in Jeff's head, he pictures the event going more like it did this year. Whereas what could be best for the industry is if he didn't have that time with Kojima and Jordan Peele, Anthony Mackie didn't come out and make some really lame jokes and then announce Peacock season <laughs> two of, I like, like what he is kind of falls flat sometimes. Like imagine if this had just been a, a time for, I think they, I think they added it up and I think 16 minutes of the entire three and a half hours were spent on developers talking about their games. 16 minutes. So um, why are we defending that for the people that are defending that show? That's horrible. Well, yeah, no, it's just, yeah, it's horrible. It's horrible. Wow. Um, but that's what I'm saying is like, maybe if, you know, maybe Jeff is having a hard time or Jeff or him and the company, whoever he works with to make, put this on are just having a hard time understanding. Like it doesn't need to go the way you, you know, I think we've all been there before where it's like, you want things to go a certain way, but sometimes the best way for it to go isn't your way. You got to let it be a little more organic, you know, like that's I what I said on the last one. You did say I used the exact word, and um, like I would like to have heard what Sven had to say about. I could have gone. I could have listened to five ten minutes of Sven talking about what it was like building this game and the scale, and can't believe how far they've gotten. And oh, by the way, it's on it's it's on Xbox now, and you know, or or, or just hearing. Um, like I would have liked to see the people who because I'm Game of the Year is Final Fantasy sixteen for me. I would have loved to see the composer uh, come up for that. To accept it and talk about, you know, his a little bit of like that's that's the, the game I loved. Like, tell me about the soundtrack, how you made it, what was inspiring for you. Like, but it wasn't there. So yeah, I mean, TLDR, that element of the show, which is at least fifty percent. I think the the politics behind it, if I'm trying to be fair, that is about half the show, right? Like, you can take the entertainment side where you just like to turn your brain off and have fun. And say oh, I don't really care about that drama, that politic, political stuff. But it does matter. It's it's actually the real heart and soul of the people. Um, so I think that half of the show, you know, a lot of mistakes were made. I think as far as, far as entertainment goes, I thought this was great. I thought it was in the top three as far as entertainment goes. But mm-hmm. that's not that's not necessarily what's most important. So uh, that's, I'll, yeah, I'll give you this though. I'll say that, like you kind of hinted at, it's got to be tough to be in his position and. You really want to deliver an exciting show every year. What can you change and improve from the previous year? What new things do you want to introduce? How do you want to implement the reveals you have on hand? Uh, you know, in these awards, and you, you know, certain people have certain personalities. This one might take longer than this one, so on and so forth. How do you try to manage all that? That's got to be tough. So I'm sure he's got a committee. It is just surprising that no one at any point looked at how things were going, you know whether they were storyboarding it in a room or just having some kind of roundtable discussion, it's strange that no one, if this was the plan that no one looked at it and said like, Hey, isn't this going to kind of look bad in some way or another, uh-huh. you know? And like, and I mean, I know that Jeff, you know, if, if, if I'm Jeff and I want to keep chill with my Hollywood folk, I'm not going to try to get political and talk about layoffs and, and all kinds of stuff like that. But you would still think that the, the whole point of people being there is so the award people get to have their time. But yeah, it was a big overreaction from Christopher judge and I just hope he does better next year, but I'm sure he does. And I'm sure, I'm sure 
the reptilian, the man in the mirror looking at himself feels pretty bad in some ways, because if he was to do this again next year, let's say, I don't think the industry people are going to want to show to a show that they don't even get time. They, they don't even get the platform to pat themselves on the back for what they did with their team, you know, but so I don't think it'll happen next year. But uh, and I also, you know, it's just like the Oscars earlier this year. Will Smith got up there, slapped Chris Rock and. He still got to go on stage later. He didn't get booted. He got to go on stage and win his Oscar for King Richard. And that was like, what are you, what a joke, what a joke. So mm-hmm. he just have to do better, you know, and uh, I'm sure he feels bad about it, but hopefully so. Cause that is not fair, but that sounds cool, yeah. Brian, that you had a really good time with it. And obviously the pomp and flair is always exciting for these things. Well, and I think the, the show was enhanced by for the first time, we had a voice chat open in the Discord, so it was like me and people from the Discord um, just talking about stuff as it happened, which was Very really cool. awesome. Um, but yeah, I, I think you know it's just got to be so hard to course correct things that are these these huge because I don't know if you remember Josh, but go back like four, five, six years ago, and the big conversation after the Game Awards was we want more world premieres, we want more world premieres, we want world premieres of substance, we want big stuff, big reveals. That used to be what people complained about with the Game Awards is like more world premieres. And I remember Jeff would always come out and be like, we got more world premieres this year, more than we've had last year. And that would, because that was really the conversation is world premieres. And now he's got it down to a science where it seems like world premiere is the name of the game here. That's the show. And I think now he started to lose the awards a bit. So it's like, it's got to be hard to like know where to pull back and where, because let's say next year he has a real good balance of like devs getting their time and world premieres. Well, then. Does something else come up that he didn't realize, you know, like um, some other aspect of the show that got left on the sidelines and then he has to correct again for the next year. All he can do is listen and improve. And I think like Josh said, whether Josh would like Jeff to be a redemptive guy or not, he probably will improve because he's smart enough to know to do that next year. We'll see. (laughs) We'll see. I, I would like to see him do that, though, of course. Yeah, because he means well. I um, see the intention there. I mean, with Summer Games Fest and this stuff, it's cool to even have that stuff and what it brings. Well, like, us. remember he got. What do you think about? Actually, I, this just came to my mind. What do you think about? He got in trouble this summer too because he did that one Summer Games Fest show or, or Games Opening Night Live, where not a single woman graced the stage the entire show, and he got so much shit for that. And then he had another show a couple months later where he made sure a few women were up there. And like, I don't know. I don't want to be like. I don't want to be that guy, that white man on the internet trying to say he knows the situation better than women do, because I sure as hell don't. But I'm like, the show where he didn't have any women on stage, it was like an hour show or less. And like, he had like the studio heads come up to talk about their game. And none of the studio heads were female. So like, to me, it never felt like a problem. But it obviously was. And then he, of course, corrected by having women on the next one. Like, I don't know. Like, it's just like, how do you expect? Like, how, do you, how do you know nothing to account you for that? do? Nothing yeah. you put out will please everybody ever. Yeah. That is just not possible. And you get, you can get stuck in a loop of like constantly course correcting to try to rebalance the, the, the criticism that comes out this year, the next year, the next year, the next year. But he's just got to find a better balance. And with, with the one that happened this year, and as for the, the stuff like that, like you mentioned, I mean, I won't comment on that so much, but that probably has to suck. That probably has to suck either which way you know, for the representation. And then also for him that probably didn't have any uh, agenda with that. It just kind of happened to come across that way. Mm-hmm. But, you know, I, I just think he's got, he doesn't seem as down to earth 
as I think people wish he would be. And mm-hmm. I think that's where the jokes come in with the reptilian stuff for me, the robo eyes stuff on that, like high potion with the Michael Myers music. He just feels like he's a big corpo dude who just wants to shake hands with all the Hollywood people and kind of elevate himself in the, but the game awards is sort of this like stealth way of getting himself into that. And, you know, he's going to try to say like, Oh, we're going to try to elevate these people when really it's just about himself and uh, his buddies and his friends. And, it, and I mean, and to be fair, I see the same thing with Hideo Kojima on like Instagram and stuff and Twitter. The only time that guy really posts stuff is when he's posing with other celebrities. They're like him and Hideo are like two sides of the same person. And I don't yeah. like Hideo either for that reason. He's a genius. He probably, I think he's brilliant with yeah. his games, but I mean, just in terms of how he, he comes across with himself, I don't think there's a lot of self-awareness or maybe just not caring, but um, it just sends mixed signals, but they'll do better. I think Jeff will totally do better. And I think he feels bad. And I'm sure a lot of apologies were given out because I, uh, you know, it's probably one of those things is the ball got rolling. They kind of realized we have, all we can do is keep on going and push ahead. We can't change this mid show, but this is not coming across the way we thought about it in our minds. Like you said. Yeah. I think, I think you covered it that like he's, he probably is just a little out of touch because you know, if you, if you know much about Jeff, like he, he was like a kid and he was like sending letters to game companies and like asking if he could like QA test it for them. And like, it was early enough on in the game industry that they were just like, yeah, this random kid who's interested. Yeah, we'll do that. And they'd send him a copy and then he ended up getting to go out to a game development studio, get to write articles. And like, he went from like basically, you know, a nobody to going up the ranks through gaming journalism Till he's gotten to this point in his life where he's kind of like at his premier point in his life where his career's popping more than it's ever been. He's kind yeah. of the he's he's the face of like gaming events in the world, pretty much. He's like the face of them. Um, so he's probably lost touch. Yeah, and he gets to have like hang out with people like Jordan Peele and Kojima. He's probably thinking like, you know, I'm not really too concerned with the composer from Final Fantasy 16 giving a four minute speech about him making the the album, but come on that should happen Mm -hmm. you know well i'll Uh, say this too and this then we can move on but i i miss the blue collar aspect of gaming uh the gaming industry it's like when seamus blackley came out in like blue jeans and like a shirt i think to reveal the xbox with bill gates you know stuff like that when you had actual like down-to-earth people that were just normal that was just their job and uh they were coming out to show off these games and talk about it and jeff Keeley is a guy in a suit you know, and no matter how much he wants to paint himself with doing this stuff, he's just a corpo now. And I don't always hate corpos. In fact, I feel like I probably am a more of an apologist for some of those people than others. But, uh, you know, the, the whole it's like the whole point of balancing that is letting these people, these workers, come up who win and get to show off their personality and their team's heart and soul and say, thank you. And how much this means to them. That's your moment to sort of let the personality shine. And he strips all the personality out of the show and doesn't allow for any of those moments. And I hate that because like, you know, I'm always going to think about Jeff, Co- uh, Jeff Keeley and Joseph Rares uh, doing the F the Oscars thing and just trying to get them off and how funny that was between the two. Uh, Christopher judge's speech, which, you know, was good, but of course it was too long, but you know, and then some people rush in the stage, which is more objectively like it's bad. That shouldn't happen. But like those takeaways are things that like 
at least for me personally, make me want to like tune in because it always seems like something exciting is going to happen. And I don't necessarily mean like, even if you remove the people jumping on the stage, at least with the celebrities, the people or the people in the industry that come up to win stuff, even like Schwen, who was decked out in this medieval armor to go up there and, and win uh, Baldur's Gate three game of the year. There's so much personality there and he doesn't get time to show that. And I think that's the moment when you can look at these people and see the real people. So for all the people on Twitter that are constantly yelling at people like 343 back in the day when we were in deep on the Halo stuff, this is a chance for them to see that they're real people. And Jeff scuttling that to make more room and time for his Hollywood friends sucks. But yeah, I'm sure he'll balance that. If he doesn't, then I don't really see next year how anyone could defend him. But again, I don't see him letting that happen. Man, I'm just I'm just realizing as you're talking that Jeff literally gave more time to Kojima than every accumulative second Baldur's Gate three was talking. That's about. what I read. That sounds and, and I mean I'm not watching the show, but as someone who's reading the bullet points, that sounds horrible. Like like just think about that. Like Baldur's Gate three, like this this huge game by the studio they worked so hard on early access comes out, blows everyone's mind. It's the game of the year unanimously, and. If you take all the time that was spent on Baldur's Gate 3 at the show, it's like a fraction of just just Kojima getting to talk openly on stage about his game that really all he had to show for his game at this point was people like talking into a camera. Like he didn't Kojima didn't even have any he didn't he wasn't up for any awards tonight or anything. But he just got all that stage time. I mean, it felt like forever. So, yeah, but we need to move on from that for, from for sure, but it's it's good that we talked about it cuz it's Essentially, it's more important than anything else. It's moot point, uh, but I mean, I think he'll do better next year. He'll do better. He's got to. Josh, why don't you take the lead on GTA 6? Because you're a bigger fan of that than than I am. Okay. But um, GTA 6 was revealed before the game show. (laughs) I was a little surprised I saw that. I figured maybe they would... Like, why are you revealing it so close to the game show, but not at the game show? Well, because they're bigger than the game awards. That's a great answer. (laughs) Uh, So the trailer came out. I think it was like a minute and 30. It was was fairly short, but uh, just gave you a a modern look at the next GTA, which looks to be set in a modern Vice City and a little bit around Vice City. This is definitely my cup of tea type of game. I got super, super excited for it. Brian, I know you're not super interested in GTA, but right now, at least, Brian, right now, I know this will age like milk. Do you see yourself buying it day one because of a FOMO factor, or is there any interest? What was your takeaways from the trailer? Well, I thought the trailer looked spectacular. I think this game's going to be huge. I think it's going to be awesome. Um, I've never been a big GTA fan, Mm -hmm. but when 5 came out, I bought it just to be a part of the conversation, and I thought, I can steal cars and some airplanes and just have fun. And that's what I did. I remember buying it. It was literally, I got it like the month my dad got done building that the basement, basement bedroom. Very cool. And my dad would just come down there and I'd give him the controller and he'd steal cars and drive around too. So we, we would just do a lot of like stealing cars and driving around and stealing planes and stuff. And I never got that far in the story because I just, I don't really care too much for the way Rockstar games play, but I do get have a blast like stealing cars and stuff like that. But um yeah, so um, I think if I think there's a, I'm not planning on buying six, mm-hmm. but I think there's a decent chance that I'd be willing to buy it um, just to be a part of the conversation. But I, I don't, I don't actually think I, I could be wrong. But I don't actually think it'd be FOMO this time around. I think it would be just literally like, eh, it's a celebratory thing in the industry, and people are excited, so I'll pick it up and I'll have some fun too. And you know, I probably maybe I wouldn't buy it 
Maybe I would buy it digitally just so I could trade it back in or something. Or maybe I would buy it digitally and say, screw it. Um, hey, you pulled it off but, with uh, Destiny. You got that. Uh, <laughs> you got yeah. you called customer support and got the refund on it. <laughs> yeah, that $100 edition of Destiny 1. Yeah. Yeah, I remember um, that. That was that was funny. Continue, though. But, uh, yeah, no. So, I mean, it's – I think, like, I got no hate for GTA. Like, I think it's – it's you know, it's obviously one of the biggest games in the world. Um, GTA 5 is still going stronger than games that have released this year. GTA 6 is just going to be insane. But it's going to be a cool moment for the industry. I'm going to enjoy, like, the ramp up to that game. Just kind of just be happy for everyone else because it's not really my game. Mm -hmm. But uh, I do have – I can have fun in it, and there's a decent chance I'll play it. But uh, as of right now, you know, I'm not planning on buying it, but I can see that changing. Um, The Bonnie and Clyde angle I think is really cool. Mm -hmm. I think the game graphically looks great. Vice City is another cool setting. Um, I just think it's awesome how Rockstar just, there's such a confident studio and when they come out, it's just like, it's like Rockstar's coming out and like, Hey, we're going to blow your socks off and you can expect that and it's going to happen. Um, I can't imagine how much money this game will make Josh because GTA five, of course it's taken 10 years has sold 190 million copies. You know, GTA is more popular now than it was when GTA five came out. So if you figure they do the same exact thing they do with GTA Five, where the game releases on console only, then they resell it to you on PC, then they resell it to you for the next gen editions for whatever for PS Six and Series Z or whatever it's going to be called, and then they end up probably selling it again the generation after that. So you end up getting people to double dip for the the PC and then the next gen port, and then. You know, eventually, once they've exhausted all those options, there'll be a little bit of Game Pass love where they get money from Microsoft. Then there'll be some discounts where, oh, it's only 40 bucks for the game, you know, or they'll, they'll put out an expansion, which brings in a whole new... They're going to have so many ways. I'm sure they have this very articulate plan laid out of how they're going to monopolize this game for the next 10 plus online. <laughs> well, yeah, and, and, uh, yeah, I'm just talking about, I was just talking about game sales. You get into the online and the marketplace there and the partnerships. I wouldn't be surprised either. We've seen this kind of like live service gaming thing blow up in a big way where you have, you know, your Fortnite, you have the Mandalorian in Fortnite, you have Master Chief in Fortnite. We, one of the announcements from the game awards was um, some of the final fantasy stuff's going to be in apex. And it's just it, Master Chief's in rainbow six siege. I would wager that GTA 6 sometime in its lifespan is going to do that with their online. They're going to bring in IP. There's going to be like, oh, uh, the Terminator from the Terminator movies is like in Vice City mm-hmm. and you can encounter him or, you know, whatever. They're just going to they're going to have ways to to monopolize that. And dude, it's just it's hard to see. It's hard to say where the gaming industry is going because it just keeps changing. Like, um, you know, Fortnite is introducing basically they're letting people build entire new games within Fortnite through Unreal. And I'm like, could we see something like that for GTA six, you know, years on from now? And I'm not of course I'm not talking at launch. At launch, all we're gonna get, I'm pretty sure you'll agree with me, Josh, at launch we're gonna get a PS five edition of the game, an Xbox Series X edition of the game, single player only, multiplayer will come out after at a later date, and it won't be on PC, and there'll be no mods. There'll be no, like, that's it. It's going to be very bare-bones vanilla, but it's going to keep growing and growing and growing. Um, yeah, I mean, TLDR, Josh, I think it's exciting. Like, I'm excited for GTA 6, even if I don't play it. I just, 
Uh, it's been 10 years, and this is such a behemoth in the industry. Mm-hmm. I'm more excited for people like you, though, Josh, because you'll probably be, like, hyped, right? Would you buy a special edition of the game or anything like that? Uh, yeah, if it's actually pertaining to single-player content like we play. But if it's just online stuff, like like a deluxe edition that gives you extra, like, cash or something for the online mode, I'm not going to... I'm not going to F with that. But uh, yeah, I was pretty excited by that. It's kind of interesting, though. And so many thoughts hit me when I watched this trailer, because for as short as it is, it gave me a couple thoughts. And one of them is that it's, you know, by Shire Reckoning, by the time this game comes out, it'll have been 12 years. And so much in society has changed. So when Grand Theft Auto V came out, it's 2013, and society was just so much different than it is now. I mean, when I look back on that, it's just insane how much has changed. And so what feels like a short amount of time, but it's been a lot. So in the video, one of the first things we see is what looks to be these quick clips of like viral videos that people have like caught on their phones and uploaded to like Twitter or some kind of social media thing. That wasn't as much of a thing in Grand Theft Auto V. So you got to imagine there's going to be a lot of that type of content. And I'm sure a lot of like people in the game having their phones out if you're doing something in the streets, recording what you're doing. Uh, the biggest takeaway I noticed was the crowds. There was so many people in the crowds, whether it was on the beach, it was outside of clubs, it was on the sunset strips. You know, it was phenomenal how many, like the body count of people that were out there. And I kept looking, I watched this a couple times, I didn't see a lot of dupes. I didn't see a lot of duplicates out there of like clone bodies. And, you know, if it was any other developer, I'd be like, yeah, this is a little smoke and mirrors, but I don't know. Rockstar delivers, you know, and I know they got some flag for uh, kind of coming like launch, like doing a soft launch, I think, for their Red Dead Online for Red Dead Redemption 2 and then kind of abandoning it more or less. But I'm this was their moneymaker with GTA Online, and that kind of took on a whole new life than I think anyone expected. So I imagine that they're going to go full stop in all this because what is there in the main, you know, story mode is going to translate over to the multiplayer mode too. So they want to have that cooked pretty well, but also just in terms of uh, how long it's been, the social commentary, I think one of before this trailer, I think people had a lot of concern. How is GTA or how is Rockstar going to go about that for the next GTA? Because regardless of whatever, whatever side of the fence you're on, you know, stuff that was acceptable. There, there's a lot of stuff that people could get away with back then that they can't now. A lot of stuff that was said and joked about that can't be now. And again, regardless of what side of the fence you're on with that, I still think everyone was wondering, okay, how is Rockstar going to do this? Because what is GTA if not more than a satrical take on modern life with these games? Or at least, you know, of some era. So seeing that trailer look like, man, they're fine. They're, they're completely fine. It's just going to seem like an exaggeration. You see um, girls twerking on cars. You see guys, uh, you know, like these dudes caked in mud with tattoos, flipping the camera off and stuff like that. I mean, it all seems like uh, real life in some form or another. And it seems like uh, they're going to do a good job of handling that. I didn't personally like GTA V. I felt like it was, to, to borrow it from my friend Bilbo, a little butter scraped over too much bread. It was a little thin of a story because it was stretched between three protagonists. And I only really liked Franklin out of the three, which I know is kind of crazy. But um, I really liked Franklin a lot. And uh, I'm forgetting the one guy's name. <laughs> I kind of put Michael it out. Michael and Trevor. Trevor. That's why I say it's crazy for Franklin because people loved Trevor and I just didn't care about his crackhead, uh, yeah. you know, going into I CBS. I was sick of looking at him in his undies. Yeah. Well, 
I I didn't really you know there were times in the story that they would link up together all three of them and the the plot would kind of get on this narrow focus in a good way in a linear fashion but it was so spread between the three of them that they a lot of times had their own missions with their own people their own stories their own narratives going on and then again they would link up and come together and I just didn't really feel like I got ever got enough time with any of them you know so the fact that this is a dual protagonist role, we also have our first female-led character uh, in Grand Theft Auto, and she she looks cool, she seems cool, and I think we got a little bit more of her than the guy, but the guy seems like he's going to be cool, um, and just the fact that they look like they're together, almost get the vibe that there may be a, a relationship, uh, in a relationship, or become one. Uh, so I'm excited to see that, because I feel like I'm going to get a lot more time with both of them doing stuff together, as opposed to apart. And just the anarchy in a modern age is just going to be, I think, so much fun of all the random stuff that may happen. Some of the radio stuff. I mean, one of my favorite things was about GTA V was um, having Danny McBride, one of my favorite actors, having him as a, one of the radio guys for the for the show. So I look forward to changing the stations. I do wonder how they're going to implement that now because with phones, you know, you have Spotify and Apple Music and all this stuff. Are they going to do something with that for their radio stations and you do it via your phone or via, are they going to keep it classy and just disregard the real life aspect of that but suffice it to say i thought the trailer looked awesome um i did have a favorite part in it and uh it was it was pretty cool but i I loved it i loved how it looks i love how it's shaping up to be i i kind of didn't i didn't really think about grand theft auto 6 all that much uh when the leaks came out when people have talked about it these past couple years because gtfi was just the only one i didn't really like and uh so i didn't really I didn't really have any reason to feel excited. And this made me feel excited again. And to what you said, this got over like, I think a hundred million views in 24 hours. And if let's say hypothetically, every person that viewed that, or even a third of it is paying 70 bucks for a game. Wow. They're going to make yeah. bank. Yeah. And they're going to sell multiple copies. And there's also rumors that the game will come out at more than 70 for the base game. Just because they know they can. I I, it looks it seemed, visually stunning. I wouldn't blame them, but I'm like, I would just think that would hurt sales more than help it. But what do I know? I guess I would just think like if people see like, oh, it's $100 for the base game, they might hold off buying it for a bit or something. But Always possible. Could also turn it into like the new like Nintendo Wii thing. The PS5 when it came out. You know, the, the demand was so high that the yeah. people paid were willing to pay crazy prices for it so yeah no it's it's crazy man um five is really the only one i have much experience with i played some of the i played gta 3 on like ps2s like when i was really little with like at friends houses but i don't remember much of it i skipped four um so five is pretty much where i have most my experience but well yeah dude it's gonna be huge i love uh i love that it's taking place in vice city and around that uh vice city itself is my favorite grand theft auto game followed by san andreas so I'm, i'm really excited for the modern setting just like you had in grand theft auto 3 it was um Oh my gosh, I'm forgetting the Liberty City. And then Grand Theft Auto 4 came around and was like a modern version of that. So I, I'm really excited for the setting. I didn't really care for the song, but that doesn't really matter. It was a Tom Petty song, and I, I no diss on Tom Petty, but I've just never been a Tom Petty and the Heartbreakers fan yeah. too much. But it was enough to get me interested. I think it was a great foot in the door moment, and it, obviously people are excited. I saw TikToks of girls filming their boyfriends just watching the trailer going, I'm about to lose my boyfriend to this game, which I hate. I hate that type of humor, but... It was, you know, it's a big deal when that stuff's happening. So like we've talked about before, this is going to be another event type of game where the world kind of stops for it. Very excited. Yeah, even more so than Elden Ring and Starfield. It's going to be bigger than those things. I really should give Red Dead Redemption 2 another try again. Did you ever beat that game, Josh? No, I I loved it, but I just fell off of it. And it wasn't because yeah. of the game. Just busy. 
It's just a big game. I, I heard that it's like 50 hours if you skip everything. It's still 50 hours. I right, believe I that. Heard, so. Yeah. Uh, I really like okay, it. Okay, Josh. Are you ready to go into the announcements at the Game Awards? Yeah. We'll get on the positive tracks, I guess, starting with GTA, yeah. but still, we'll, we'll, with, with the Game Awards, we'll balance the <clears throat> scales a little bit here. So here's what we're going to do, guys. Um, I'm just going through. I'm going to use Kotaku because uh, several of these game publications, they have they make their own article where they're like, here's the list of everything that was announced, and here's the order. And I just chose Kotaku because that's the one that I like to format the best of mm-hmm. rather than write it all down myself. Um, <clears throat> so we're going to go through the list. I am going to skip over things announced that I feel that me and Josh don't care about at all. The reason that is is because usually when we try to talk about something that neither of us give a shit about, it's just not that interesting. So mm-hmm. I'd just rather talk about things that we do care about. If I miss something on Josh's behalf, he can bring it up. Um, but we'll get started here. Um, first one, Josh, there's a new game. I, I'm, I'm surprised how I actually am kind of excited for this. I didn't think it would be. Exodus. Have you heard about this one, Josh? I don't the think I Matthew, have. Matthew McConaughey came out oh, that's to the Matthew announce this game. Sorry. Go ahead. Yeah. And he says he's in the game. I'm not sure if we actually saw him or his voice in the trailer at all, but it's by Archetype Entertainment, and it is from the people who, people from Bioware that are working on this game. Uh, it's like it's supposed to be like a space game. Um, Watching the trailer now. Yeah, sci-fi game called Exodus, battle between humanity and a hostile alien force, where uh, time travel will play a central role on the narrative. I thought it looked pretty cool. Well. Did anybody make any like this is what Starfield should have been type of comments? Has that been any? I didn't see one personally. No, it's oh, like thirty. I looks for like, being the first. <laughs> I'm not. No, I'm not trying to make that argument either. I'm just curious. What it looks like Mass Effect by. more to me. I'm not saying it. It is. Though. Oh, I'm seeing aliens. That's uh, and that's not a dog on Starfield. That's just so. Oh, uh, here it comes. Yeah, <laughs> I'm not. I promise, I'm not trying to. I, I, it's not. You know, it's, well, Brian told me behind the scenes, guys, that there wasn't a whole lot of that stuff with Starfield because when he beat the game, we were talking prior to the the podcast episodes we've done on Starfield and just what was said on the show. And, um, I, you know, I, I thought, well, I'm still going to play this game someday, but I, I do kind of want more like of the Mass Effect type of sci-fi stuff. And uh, this looks like it might be that in its own way, you know, so that, that's, that's yeah. pretty cool. But Matthew McConaughey came out to present this, Brian, is that correct? He did. Okay. Josh, do you need to answer a phone call? No, it's vibrating. I can answer okay. that another time, buddy. That's, no, that's Oh, okay. and it's spam I, anyway. It's spam. Oh, you do, I just keep hearing you getting calls. So I was like, maybe it's... Oh, oh hang on. Let me answer it. Uh, oh, Jeff Keeley? Oh, was it? Oh, oh, you know where I live? Oh, you didn't hear like what I had to say about the show? Oh, Reptilian? Oh, you better lock it I, down. I, 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 I'm sorry, Jeff. I'm sorry. <laughs> oh. Jeff, once Jeff has his laser eyes on you, you know. Oh, man. He's got... Oh, he's going to swap me right now. Oh. I'm coming to get swatted. <laughs> um, yeah, no, that's as far. That's all I had to say about Exodus. I mean, really, all we have is that trailer to go off of. But about Hideo Kojima. <laughs> He's yeah. Um, anyway, let's move on. But <laughs> but Exodus Exodus uh, looks awesome, Brian. This is really cool. And um, Matthew McConaughey came out to present this, so. He's it's it's the first game he's ever been a part of. All he's, right, he's all right, all right. Yeah. So he okay. came out. Is he confirmed to be in the game? Yes, he is. It's just I don't think he was shown off in any capacity in this trailer, which is kind of weird. Okay, interesting. So, oh, I see. Yeah. I need I need to just throw the stream on in the background here while we're uh, going through this. Oh, stuff. the Game Awards stream. Yeah, but this was one of the first announcements, correct? Well, I, I remember it being earlier in the show, but I don't. This is how Kotaku has them listed, so oh, it could I got be you. off. Yeah, I got you. But um, well, it seems you pretty cool, move? man. Yeah, I'll look yeah. forward to that and, and seeing more about it. Um, I mean, if it continues to look good, I mean, yeah, I'll buy it. It okay. looks fun. It's yeah. you know, it's got good people behind it. So, sure. you want to move on to the next announcement? Yeah, go ahead, man. Um, 
it wasn't a big surprise. A lot of people thought we'd be getting some God of War Ragnarok DLC. Mm. What was surprising is it is not story centered. It is a roguelike, um, you know, side mode called God of War Ragnarok Valhalla. Um, so the negative is it's not story really a story driven DLC. The positive is it comes out tomorrow and it's free for everyone. So that was pretty cool. Mm. Free Ragnarok. Yeah, I forget free. the uh, name of the place. Maybe it was Vasselheim, but there was a place in God of War 2018 where it was almost like a challenge mode. You're fighting through tiers of enemies. Is that kind of like this? I think it was ne- Nef- Niflheim. Niflheim. Okay. You. Yeah. I wish yeah. I was here to correct me on that. I think it's kind of like that. And I've heard that there's God of War one enemies in this DLC where they weren't in Ragnarok base, which is kind mm. of neat. That's cool. Um, but, I mean, I think it's only something to be excited about because, like, I'm not saying I'll do it day one, but, like, I will download this and try it because it is free. You know, sure. I already own the game. Yeah, so, F-R-E-E, baby. Can't do better than that. Yeah. How did, um, cool. Real quick, before we kind of get into this stuff heavy, how did, how did the Discord take to the Game Awards overall? Um, My opinion, I mean, I'm sure after people listen to this episode, they'll, they'll have their own mm-hmm. takes on it. But I thought everyone was having a great time and really excited. That's awesome. That's what I thought. That's awesome. Yeah. I thought uh, everyone really enjoyed it. I know that, um, like, Joe Joe was, like, totally against watching it. Mm-hmm. But then since he saw us on voice chat, he was like, I can't pass up, like, <laughs> get in there. So he ended up watching it. That's cool um, you guys did that. Was Tony in there? Um, I don't think so. Or if okay. he was, it was brief. Okay. Um, but He would have brought, uh, yeah, oh, brought the enthusiasm, man. That's We ended up staying up really late talking about a bunch of stuff. And, I, yeah, cool. I got, like, no sleep that night. But it was, yeah, it was totally worth it. So. Yeah. Like I said, like as a show and as a fun entertainment thing, like I just thought it was great. You know, it's, it's, you you really have to push aside the politics part though to get to it, and you know, I, I, politics isn't right because I think by saying politics that kind of makes it sound like icky, but more it's more what I should say is like we push aside the human element of it. That the what what came at a cost here for the show was the human element. People didn't get to celebrate their achievements. Everything's better with friends. Yeah. Um, so that's moving awesome, forward, though, I'm happy to hear that. <laughs> that's really cool. You guys um, did that. Yeah. Very, very awesome. cool. Uh, I'm going to skip. See, we had Christopher walk. judge come out right away. I'm seeing. Yeah. Yeah. And he made a joke about himself you know, talking, <laughs> okay. walk, which is funny. Um, there's a game by the people who made untitled goose game called big walk. Didn't look interesting to me at all. Personally. Okay. Uh, persona three. Yeah. <laughs> big mood. Um, persona three reload got shown off some more, which I know that's going to be huge for people. Josh and I have never played, uh, persona sure so yeah that's really, awesome for them. now we're not fans you know, never say never right um did you ever play the game dead cells the indie game no I, but i remember that wasn't that game pass uh probably yeah i mean usually indie games make it there uh but they released a new game called wind blown which i don't think is a very good title for the game really wind but, blown. Um, okay wind blown um but it's a multiplayer co-op game indie game i wasn't interested in it just kind of scrolling through um if any of this catches your interest, Josh, let me know. Oh, yeah. Do you remember that game World of Goo from like 10 years ago? I do not. Or more? It was a really popular indie game like early on. It was called World of Goo. It's Actually, it says here it's been 15 years since early indie hit World of Goo had us building precarious <laughs> bridges out of snot. So there's a sequel to World of Goo now 15 years later, um, which I thought was kind of interesting. Wow. I'm, I'm not going to play World it. World of I Goo, yeah. I, don't, I haven't heard of this ever. Yeah, it was on the 360 and stuff like that. Um, this one, there's another announcement here, Josh, that I'm, I'm probably going to end up being corrected on this, but have you ever heard of an indie game getting a remake? Not that I know of. 
you remember that game Brothers, A Tale of Two Sons, the yeah. indie game? Oh, yeah. It's getting a full remake, not a remaster. The game is being remade mm, from the ground up Jose- with Unreal Engine 5. That's Joseph Fair's game, right? Ferrer? Or I, no, I'm not no, sure no, I think you're talking about um, It Takes Two is what you're thinking about. Well, I thought he also did It Takes Two. Okay, well, I don't. I didn't think he did this one, but I could be wrong. I don't know. Okay. Well, either way, either way, uh, yeah, that's crazy, Brian. But it's wow. a full remake. Like it looks visually modern, which is crazy. But the game's not that long. I still own the original. I beat the original. It's that game where you control two brothers at the same time, and mm-hmm. each brother is one thumbstick. That's how you play the game. Hmm. So yeah, pretty interesting. Pretty interesting to hear that happen. Yeah, because if I've, Joe was on, if Joe was on the podcast right now, he would make sure we went and looked up who who created Brothers: A Tale of Two Sons. I'm trying to see. <laughs> yeah, it was Joseph. It was Joseph. Really, he did that one too. Yeah, developed by Starbreeze, so cool. um, published by Five Hundred Five. Okay. Trying to see what he's done in his catalog. Oh, he liked Brothers: A Tale of Two Sons. So he's only done three games. 2013's, yeah, The Brothers, uh, Tale of Two Sons. 2018's, A Way Out, which was fantastic. I played through that one in co-op. In 2021's, It Takes Two. But the the latter two were from Hazelight Studios, where his brothers was Starbreeze. Yeah, that I mean, it was a great indie game. I got it back in like 2013. I beat it in like a few hours. So I don't see me buying the remake because like like a lot of indie games, I just kind of felt like it was one and done. Did he show gameplay of it, or was it just uh, kind of a teaser that like? I think it was gameplay. Yeah, I think oh, it was gameplay cool. too. Very it just cool. it looked. Yeah, it, it looks great. But um, this one, Josh, this one I was really excited for, this next one coming up, and I know you are too. Mm-hmm. But it was also kind of like a little bit of an eye roll thing again because, once again, we, we, we didn't really get any gameplay and we got a musical performance. Hellblade 2. Did you see any of that, Josh? Did you watch any of that? Uh, yeah, just a little bit. Yeah, just, They had this really cool musical performance, and then they showed a new trailer, which, once again, was very dark, didn't show much gameplay, and then it's coming 2024. It got me a little hype. I'm not going to lie. I was like, I can't wait to have this exclusive day one on this one. I loved the first game. But uh, having said that, they didn't really show much off gameplay again. Why? So you haven't watched this trailer or anything like that, Josh? I saw just a few snippets, like GIFs. GIFs, basically. And uh, yeah. look, it's cool that 2024, I mean, that's what we speculated on. I feel like that's what most assumed. But I don't mean to be a negative Nancy. I really don't. I'm tired of hearing about this game without a tangible release date. I feel like it's yeah, been shown it's off been too much. Too much. That's all. The game looks awesome. Uh, I probably will play it day one, at least through Game Pass, if not outright purchasing it right away. But I am very interested for that game. And I know, as we'll probably get into, that there were a lot of great takeaways for Xbox, you know, looking pretty good. And we yeah. kind of speculated on that in the last episode. So it feels good to be right about that on our, on our accounts. But... You know, uh, yeah, I'm just tired of, of seeing this game teased without... Do you know we uh, first saw uh, to look this game to get teased, Josh? 2019, right after we started the podcast, that was the first time we saw this Yeah, game. so if it's coming out, let's say it comes out holiday 2024. Five years since it was announced. Five years. Like, and I gives you something to think about, doesn't it, Brian? Gives you something to think about, Josh, that early, early trailer that they kept giving us more of. Um, do you remember what it was, Josh? So it was back in 2019. We were watching the XO, or one of the, no, it was the Game Awards. It was the Game Awards of 2019. And that's when um, Phil Spencer came out and showed off the Xbox Series X, which was a shock. He's showing off a new console at the Game Awards. And then he shows off a little like trailer of the games that are going to be coming out, including the Forza car and Halo Infinite. And one of the things was that whole like, remember it was the close up on Senua's face and she was like, <laughs> you know, it was like crazy. 
Hindi, oh, I'm Hindi. It's also like that Scooby-Doo 1 movie, like a Hindi, you, this is what the preachers say. Or from the first Scooby-Doo live action movie. Um, oh, yeah, so. <laughs> I do remember five that. Five years, dude. Yeah. <laughs> Crazy. Oh, man. And I'm seeing Matthew McConaughey come out right now, and he's like, hey, 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 what is this? What is all they, this? They should have did. They should have just made Matthew McConaughey show up in every game trailer for the rest of the night. Like, oh. he's in Hellblade, just like <laughs> under the water with Sunny One and stuff. That'd be cool. But no, Hellblade looks awesome. It's just, I, I, I really like... In general, what I'm assuming is this is going to be a great game, mm-hmm. but I really don't know how to gauge it because the first game was like borderline indie. I think if you ask Corey, Corey Hanks, he would even say it was indie because it was like low budget, small, um, small team. But I, I know it was from a more of a closer to a AAA studio. But like I don't know what to expect because like there's part of me that ex- I think what I expect, and I think you probably expect the same, Josh, is I expect Hellblade Two to be like Hellblade One. Except bigger and longer on the scale of a AAA game. Is that what you're picturing? More or less, yeah. Yeah. So that's kind of what, and I think this kind of goes back to what you've said about prior trailers, where you show too many trailers. Like I think you said it about Redfall, where you show too many trailers and you don't really paint an idea of what the game is. Sea of Thieves. People, or oh, Sea of Thieves, maybe. Mm-hmm. Okay. Well, you start people start thinking about what the game is, and the longer you don't really tell us, the more people cement that oh. Like, for me, I'm thinking Hellblade 2 is just just like Hellblade 1, but two or three times as long. So if we get Hellblade 2 and it ends up being, like, something really weird, like a rhythm game or (laughs) a game that has no action or maybe it's just as short as the original, it's going to be like this, like, you know, and there are going to be people going like, well, Brian, why did you get your expectations set that way? They never said that. And I'm like, well, yeah, but they showed us, like, a trailer every year for five years. Is it my fault for assuming a little bit just based off of what they kept giving us, you know? So hopefully next year they blow the lid off on, like, the Xbox showcase or whatever. That is the tough thing with, again, the takeaways that I had from this is that a lot of this stuff, to my knowledge, was more announcement trailers than it was gameplay footage, which is what I would expect at the Game Awards. So it's still cool, but I'm just that type of person. You know, I go back to when they sh- when uh, Bethesda showed off Skyrim and was like, oh, yeah, you know, this is coming out in November, basically. And that was really cool. And I kind of, and same with Fallout and Fallout 4, you know, um, I just, I miss those days of when I, the, the barrier from between announcement to release wasn't that long. So I didn't have a whole lot of time to build it up in my head of what it might be. It was more just rewatching what I could see and then just anticipating it and, and getting excited for it and planning around yeah. that. But uh, I understand that, you know, COVID's impacted a lot. We're still feeling the effects of it. And also the nature of this show is just to, uh, on top of celebrating, uh, the awards uh, it's also to announce new stuff you know and i, I get that so uh, you know with Star- um not starfield i'm watching another trailer for exodus sorry but uh, or the the trailer for exodus i'm at that point now in it brian but uh for hellblade 2 yeah i i, I would like to see better gameplay like the combat because it was a bit repetitious in the first one but i also think to the game's credit that wasn't the point of it it was more of a narrative storytelling experience and the gameplay was sort of just there kind of tacked on which is not to insult somebody, it it was a brilliant game i loved it and if I somebody asked me what hellblade 2 is about i would say face i'd say three words faces water and dark that's all i know about hellblade 2 faces water and dark it's dark there's water and i've seen a lot of faces well i thought senua's journey was fantastic with uh her lost love and what that meant oh, the to first her. game yeah and the first game and just how they blended the game graphically with uh, uh, live action actors at times. 
in some of the footage, the cutscenes. I mean, it looked phenomenal. It sounded yeah. phenomenal. I think it was the first, if not one of the first games to introduce binaural sound. So, you know, when you hear someone walking behind you, if you're listening with headsets and they're moving to your left, you're going to hear that in your left ear versus just, you know, regular surround sound. Yeah. So it was very cool and made it for, uh, made a much more immersive experience that, cause I remember the big talking point of that first game was you got to play with headphones. You got to play with headphones. And I remember being at your house at the time when this was on, had launched on PlayStation. And I think we were talking about it and you had during that conversation, you had mentioned that Creighton, I think was like, had done a ton of research to try to get a really good headset because he just wanted to have that for games in general, but it kind of revolved around, uh, that first Hellblade game. And, uh, so yeah, I'm very excited for the second. Which kind of put me. I ended up obviously I ended up playing it and liking it. I bought the game, but like it kind of put me off all the headset talk because I'm like, oh yeah, I'm like, hey folks, I just want to play a game here. I don't want a peripheral. You know, I know it's just headphones, but it's like when it becomes the headphone game, it starts to be like, okay, well, can I play this thing without like it? Why is the headphone such a requirement? You know, I understand. Um, but moving forward, uh, I'm um, seeing God of War now with that uh, Valhalla announcement. Okay. Was uh, Joe hyped when talk- that happened? I'm so sorry, Brian. I'm so. Oh, sorry. that's okay. Um. I, you know what? He was actually frustrated because he thought that Ragnarok ended perfectly and he didn't want it to continue at all. Mm-hmm. But I think he might have been a little relieved when he found out it wasn't story related because uh-huh. he, he likes how it ended. Okay. Um, gotcha. Another game was announced, Kamuri. I'm not going to talk about that. From the people who did The Evil Within, nothing I think you are interested in. Okay. Josh, have you ever played the, are you a fan of the Ori games? I know Justin is. I don't know if you are. Have you ever played I think those? I own them, but no, I haven't played them. But okay, I see they, why the people, people like them a lot. The people behind Ori announced a, a cool new game um, called No Rest for the Wicked. It looked really beautiful. Um, not something I'll probably be interested in. That's I don't Jeff Keighley saying. Not, but, day after. Um, <laughs> five o'clock shadow in the mirror. No rest for the wicked. Yeah. Jeff like, Keighley has no rest night. for the wicked. Jeff Keighley doesn't eat. Um, Jeff Keighley doesn't I wonder sleep. if when everybody goes out to those parties after the TGAs, if like Jeff shows up there and like gets down on the dance floor or what? You got to imagine he's tearing it up. <laughs> he's tearing it up on there. That's where he lets loose. Um, this okay. I'm, I'm going to give you a real pessimistic take. <laughs> Christopher Judge is. <laughs> I pictured Christopher Judge on the side, and you got someone else on the side. I'm trying to think like Todd Howard, and Todd's like, "Damn, I didn't know he could dance." And it, the camera pans over to Christopher Judge, and his deep voice is like, "He's beginning to believe." <laughs> yeah. Shout out to the Matrix. Chris, you know, Christopher Judge just treats Jeff Keeley like Atreus, like his little. Come on, follow me over here, little bit. <laughs> um, okay. I'm going to give you a real pessimistic take on this next one, Josh. This okay. is this is such a weird announcement. Okay. Did you hear about Sega's announcement? Was it the one with a couple games being remade? Yeah. Okay. Yes, it did. They basically did a trailer where it was like new era of sequels to classics. Like they're going to bring back, they're going to, they're in development right now at Sega is a new Golden Axe, a new Crazy Taxi, a new Jet Set Radio, a new Shinobi, and a new Streets of Rage. Um, and I had a mixture of thoughts, but none of them really positive. I know a lot of people latched on to like, <gasps> Jet Set Radio, because it's like a cult classic. People want jet, more Jet Set Radio. But for me, it was like, this seems like a cry for help from Sega to me. Like, we don't know what to do next. Like, we, we just, we continue to rely on, like, varying degrees of quality of Sonic. And so, guess what? We're going to just try to appeal to nostalgia and tell people... All at once, five games, we're going to make a new game of all of these, and they're going to come out. And I'm like, it's two things. One, how much does the modern gaming industry care about these titles? And two, do I trust Sega enough to make them worthwhile? Also, I don't know if they're talking about $60 releases or $20 like straight-to-marketplace type games. But like, I don't know, Josh, am I being too pessimistic here? Do you see yourself potentially going out 
day one, $60 to get the new Golden Axe or Crazy Taxi or Jet Set Radio. I just don't see There's two ways I can take this, and one is to uh, completely agree with you and say that, you know, I think that's just been Sega's life story is they get very few successes, and what they get, they just kind of scrape the barrel with and milk as much as they can. Just, you know, case in point with Sonic. But the other part of me says... I don't blame it in the world we're in with prices being as high as there is. And you have things like Game Pass, PS Plus, all these different ways to, you know, that are a little more accessible to, to play games versus buying games. And there's live service and there's microtransactions. And there's so many, it's got to be tough to navigate this industry and how much has changed in the last 10 years on top of things like the pandemic and COVID. And I feel like Sega is mostly known for. Sonic at this point, not to diminish the other games that have come out. I mean, Shenmue 3 came out, which was really, really cool. But I feel like I can't really blame them or even a lot of movie studios that try to reboot stuff or do, you know, requels, sequels and all that stuff because it's guaranteed money. Sometimes you just, you gotta, you need to make some money and you don't have the opportunity. You know, I think it's, um, I think Disney said, and this really applies to this, I think uh, Bob Iger said the reason why um, they get to make a lot of sequels is because, uh, or they uh, a lot of, I'm sorry, I got it backwards. The reason why they make a lot of original movies uh, and get the opportunity to is because the sequels that they put out make so much money. So they get, they're able to afford to be able to take those chances. And I think sometimes you gotta, you gotta play that game probably in the industry, if I had to guess. And I don't blame them for, you know, I mean, how long has it been since we saw a crazy taxi and the idea of that being reimagined could be fun, but is that going to be a $60 game? Like you proposed, you know, like, like you can't really see that necessarily. I'm kind of with you, but something like a modern golden axe, a fantasy, like, you know, maybe third say, person game like or something that could be big triple a third person RPG golden. Axe. Yeah, no, I could That'd be, be cool. But like, very can Sega really do that. I mean, like what's, What's the most ambitious thing we've seen out of Sega? Is it Sonic Frontiers? Am I forgetting something? Sonic no, Frontiers I mean, is like an open world Sonic. It, like. it, it's it's old now, but Alpha Protocol back when that came out, I remember oh, it was okay. a big deal. Even though I heard that was buggy and stuff, but well, it has that was a lot of love. Wasn't made by Sega. It was only published by them. Published by them. By, okay. Well, I stand it was corrected. Made by Obsidian, Josh. Oh, it <laughs> was, wasn't it? You're right, Brian. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Well, okay, yeah. I stand corrected. But case in point, though, I I I think they they're trying to play the game of just trying to market on what they haven't really touched in a while. And I don't really blame them. You know, I mean, yeah, it's in, in some ways it's kind of unfair to make this argument when something like God of war, uh, got, I, I what was the last God of war before the reboot? Was it chains of Olympus or whatever? Uh, no, it was uh, God of war Ascension, which was the prequel, which came out 2013, right? So 2013 to 2018, five year gap between a reboot. When's the last time we really saw any of these games? The window has been even longer. So yeah. I think it's fair that they get their shot in the sun. And I think it's exciting. I think they said streets of rage as well. Correct. Yeah. yeah. And we've What's seen, he, like we've seen something. I'll just say this real quick. Sorry. Yeah, go ahead. Sorry. But you no, know, you're fine. But we've saw, I think that um, side-scrolling Ninja Turtle game come out last year, and people loved that one. I forget what it was called, but that was very successful, and that's like a Streets of Rage type of beat 'em up. So I could see um, reboots like that doing pretty well. I mean, we've still gotten Streets of Rage games, so I'm kind of surprised that they're saying a reboot, yeah, that's not that, too old. but maybe they're yeah. re-envisioning it. So uh, anyway, I- I'm excited more for something like Golden Axe. That does get me excited. See, th- my pessimism goes even further because I'm like. I mean, there's a reason we don't see people announce five games at once mm-hmm. because 
you just, I don't know, you just don't do that. And usually, like, if you have something good, you just want to focus on the one thing, right? So, sure. like, for them be for them just being coming out and be like, ah, yeah, Crazy Taxi, uh, Golden Axe, Just that Radio, Shinobi, you guys remember Streets of Rage? To me, it very much, like, reeks of, like, I don't know. We don't really have awesome. anything exciting to show. So it's just like, let's just throw it all out at once. Like, the only thing about this announcement that get anyone talking is that they're bringing back five classics at, like in one announcement. Like that's the the announcement is how many there are. It's not so much like because think if they came out and they were just like a new Crazy Taxi is in development and be like, eh, okay. I mean, well, I- if they're reimagined a bit, it's exciting. And I'll give you, you know, to your defense, I think, yeah, that is kind of weird. You make a great point. If you're putting out, if you're making an announcement for several games at once, that does seem kind of weird, and it makes you question the level of quality. Like I'm wanting yeah. a reimagining of some of these games. Well, if you're announcing them all at once, it almost makes it kind of imply that like that's not going to be the case. Yep. But on the other what hand, kind of golden axe you want would get its own announcement, right? On the other hand, I want the optimist in me, which is going to be wrong. <laughs> it's gonna. It, it says maybe the reputation we've come to know as Sega, just putting out Sonic games lately. Maybe it's because they've been cooking for a long time, and all these have kind of caught up with themselves of varying degrees. And maybe this one is a full fledged, you know, triple uh, A reimagining it whereas this one's maybe more of an indie arcade type of feel you know maybe they got varying degrees of of uh, what their uh, approach is going to be but maybe they've all kind of lined up and maybe they're kind of oh. getting ready and that could be cool but again i don't think that's going to be right <laughs> i, 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 should st- I, st- I stand corrected on one thing i i only reason i remember this is because there's literally an advertisement on my screen right now okay sega has the yakuza stuff that's pretty huge you're right. That is huge. That's pretty huge. Do they so develop that, like, that though, or are they published? I don't know. They might just okay. be the publishers. Well, either way, that is huge. And that, but that's another series that has gotten milked because that's been hugely yeah. successful for them. But I don't blame them because it's those are awesome. Those are pretty yeah. cool. Those are pretty cool. Uh, moving forward, Josh, we'll skip over Dragon Ball Z Sparking Zero. It's a new Dragon Ball Z fighter. Honestly, as a fan of Dragon Ball. I just think there's too much of it out there. It's just okay. constant. I feel like every year we get a Dragon Ball game. I'm seeing Hellblade show, stuff now. TV, you know, it's like whatever. So skip past that. Uh, this is kind of interesting. I don't think either of us care. I'm guessing um, the guys over at High Potion would care about it. You know, they talk about they play Dead by Daylight a lot. Yeah. There, yeah, are, There's a new single-player game coming out based in the Dead by Daylight world called The Casting of Frank Stone. comes out next year. Okay. So it's a new it's a new single player game set in that world. Oh, that's cool. Well, I would uh, you know I don't know what they think yet, but uh, I would imagine they'd at least have a passing interest just to yeah. see what that turns out to be. Brian, I know this is going to sound weird, but I'm watching the Hellblade Two moment from the Game Awards. Was that Ewan McGregor? One of the dudes that was standing next to her looked like Ewan McGregor. Uh, I would think I would have heard that by I now. I feel like I would have too, but yeah. yeah, I gotta. You're right. I gotta be wrong. Just just thinking about that. Anyway, let's um, let's move on. Josh, did you ever play any of like the Secret of Mana games? Did you have any interest in those? No, I I, I know they announced a Mana game, and I kind of went over my head. Yeah, it's the it's the fourth one in the series. It's called Visions of Mana um, from Square Enix. Mm. That's something that I'm not really particularly interested in. But down the road, like if I wanted to go deeper into my like JRPG discovery, I'd check out Secrets of Mana. It's kind of a I feel like it's cult classic kind of. But when I when I think of Mana, cool. I think of yeah. potions, and then I just like when I try to. It's called Visions of Mana or Mana. Yeah, I just picture yeah. that room of the <laughs> the um the fairy godmother from Shrek Two when they snuck in there to get the potion. Remember, it just had all those potions in that room. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So, <laughs> picturing like that's, that's hilarious. Of mana. <laughs> yeah, yeah, let's do that. Um, 
Next one they announced was Rise of the Ronin. It's from Team Ninja mm. for the PlayStation. Okay. Uh, it is uh, a narrative-focused, kind of like samurai-looking game. I thought it looked kind of cool. Um, one of those games that, like, if it came out and was getting stellar reviews and people were talking about it, I'd pick it up, but I'm not too interested right now. Okay. But still kind of cool. Didn't know about um, that one. I'll have to keep yeah, my eyes out. Rise of the Ronin. Pretty cool. Um, this next one we kind of touched on a little bit already, so... Hideo Kojima comes out of what looked... Do you, you remember PT, Josh? Do you remember I do. PT? I do. Looked awesome. So, for those of you that don't know, long story short, uh, back when Kojima was at uh, Konami, they were he was working on a game called PT, um, and uh, the, the demo came out, and it was this horror, ex- horror experience. Well, on stage at the Game Awards, they had a door that looked just like the door from PT that was canceled. He's no longer with Konami. Kojima comes out the door to like creepy lights and music, and they show off, I guess, what you could call as a trailer for his new game titled OD. Um, but really, all it is is like an old man and a chick like talking to a camera up close. There's like nothing to go off of, really. Mm, um, okay. But then the, the biggest kind of. Um, well, he announces that he's also once again working with like Hollywood actors. He's got Sophia Lillis, Hunter Shit. Schaefer, and Udo. Udo Kier? I'm not sure. I don't know the other two, but I I know Sophia was in the recent Dungeons & Dragons film. Mm. Isn't Um, uh, isn't Jordan Peele involved in this? Yeah, so this is the big thing, right? So he shows off the trailer, talks to Jeff about it, and then suddenly music starts playing, haunting like Jordan Peele-type music starts playing. Then the door opens up, (laughs) someone else walks through, and it's Jordan Peele. uh, And and they announce that he's in association with Kojima to work on this game. It's a horror game Mm. called OD. What blew my mind, Josh, is I had watched the Kind of Funny show a uh, day before the Game Awards. Okay. And Greg Miller, they do this thing at the Kind of Funny Awards, or not the Kind of Funny Awards, well, Kind of Funny show. <laughs> they do this thing where they all make a prediction that is obvious, a prediction that's a little far-fetched, and a prediction that's very far-fetched. Okay. And Greg Miller, for his very far-fetched um, guess was there's going to be a new horror game from Kojima in association with Jordan Peele. Now you tell me how the hell he got that right. Very specific. And, very. <laughs> and if you watch the Game Awards cool. show, so, so, so Greg Miller is sitting in the audience at the Game Awards. If you're watching Kind of Funny, the show, where they're, the Kind of Funny is watching the Game Awards, and it's, it's hosted by um, Tim and Andy, two other people from Kind of Funny. When, when Jordan Peele walks out, they jump out of their seats and lose their shit, and they're like, how did he know? How the fuck did he know? You know, like, that's, what? There's no way. Like, that was his far-fetched guess. And then, and they even make it even weirder, as at the Game Awards, after Jordan Peele comes out, the camera pans over to Jor- to, to um Greg Miller in the audience and shows him. Mm-hmm. So it was just like, and then Kind of Funny has came out and said that they do not make predictions based on behind-the-scenes info they know or insights. Like, Greg legitimately guessed this. And I'm guessing... The people who are on production at the Game Awards had seen kind of funny's prediction, and that's why they panned the camera to him. But like, that just blew me away when I, like, I wasn't even thinking about Kojima or his game. I'm like, how the hell did Greg Miller guess such a specific reveal? Um, so that was kind of cool, interesting to, to witness. Pretty interesting, but uh, yeah, um, part of the I'm reptilian community. <laughs> I'm passively interested in anything Kojima has to do. I made a promise with uh, with Joe that I would play Death Stranding, and he would play Final Fantasy VII Remake. Um, I actually think Death, Death Stranding looks like it might be a game I like, mm-hmm. um, and I haven't really got into Metal Gear Solid yet, and so we'll see what OD is. I, I don't like that OD seems to be that game 
that is in association with Microsoft using the cloud technology. Whenever I hear a game's going to run on cloud, I'm kind of like, nah, I'm out. Um, so I don't know. Remember how Crackdown 3 ran on the cloud? You know, like, come on. Yeah. Like, I don't want a single-player game that, you know, relies on internet access to work. So, but, um, but yeah. Yeah. So, no. You have anything to say about OD, Josh? Not interested. Want? Not interested. Cool to see how it does, though. Just uh, Hideo doesn't make games I'm interested in, and that's not to say they're bad. I'm not at all commenting on the games that he's made quality. I know he's a genius. I think I said it earlier, but they're just not just like Capcom games overall are typically games I don't really play, but I can tell they're good, and I always want to get into them. I'm just waiting for that one to make me. You um, just haven't played a Strand game yet, Josh. Once you play a Strand game, it will change everything. Well, speaking of that, didn't they announce this game to be a new like genre? I'm, I'm paraphrasing, but uh, isn't that the same? They're oh, kind of using he, the same verbal judo yeah, that they like use for. Gonna, it's a game that's never. Been, it's not really a game. And it's like, oh, Kojima, can't you just? Didn't do he say that for Death Stranding though? I feel like he I think he did. Yeah. Oh. And then I, the guy I watched, I watched kind of funny again, and they, and even they were like, Kojima says it's not going to be a game. It's it's going to be a game. Like it's just going to be a game. Let's be real. So that girl um, came out um, that showed off Ghostwire Tokyo years ago. That was that same girl just came out for some game. I didn't realize yeah, I have that. No idea. I have no idea what you're talking about. Oh, well, she was so, man, she just, she did the, like, some very cute poses and stuff like that. And people mm-hmm. were so excited for that game at the time. So what and, you're saying is you're crushing. Well, no, it's just, I mean, yeah, she's pretty, but like, no, it was just, she was so, she had a lot of personality just to come out and show off a game. And uh, that was a big talking point on Twitter. I remember it was just how kind and, and fun she seemed and it made people more interested. Kamiri, if I'm pronouncing that right. Oh, but, for um, that game. Okay. Yeah, yeah, but, uh, Oh, you're literally cool. like three games behind what I'm talking about, but I know you're just watching. Yeah, I'm just I'm just vicariously oh. watching for those listening. But Josh, no, it's this cool next to see one, her again. This next reveal, I know I'm not the only person in the Discord that the first thing they thought of was was it was Josh Hargis. Jurassic Park Survival, a alien isolation inspired game set in Jurassic Park that starts the moment the first movie ends. Uh, Josh, I'm going to pass it over to you, but I'll say this looks like literally a perfect dream Jurassic Park game. It's like a dream come true, baby. It feels good. You know, these announcements for me come by every once in a blue moon. So I'm very, very excited. The last two Jurassic World Evolution games are games that are fun and well-made, but the sort of park sim stuff has never been quite my forte. So I saw a lot of talk for a long time after Alien Isolation came out where people said that would make a great Jurassic Park game if we could just kind of clone that. And to my knowledge, no one really has. Alien Isolation still gets talked about because it's kind of one of a kind. That's well, an influential game that just got shit. It really is. It really is. And watching you play that, I could see how fun. And I mean, I was vicariously on edge, unnerved and stuff. So. Yeah, but uh, I did save this. I mean, you kind of already said it, but they said return to Isla Nublar the day after the events of the beloved 1993 film and an original adventure 65 million years in the making. Survive thrilling first-person action as in-gen scientist. I'm even mispronouncing this. Dr. Maya Joshi. I like that part. That was that was my favorite part, even over the trailers, having my name in there. Who was unable to evacuate Isla Nublar in this single-player action adventure game and discover a never-before-told story. Through thrilling encounters, experience the wonder and dangers of dinosaurs, each with their own distinct and adaptive behaviors brought to life by John Hammond's vision. So, uh, Brian, I, th- I can't remember. I swore I saw it announced, though, but who is developing this? You know, I I don't recall. Okay, I swore I saw something about that, but 
very excited, guys. Very, very excited. Very see if excited. I can find out. His, I really, see if I can find out here. I think this is really exciting. It is a dream come true because, you know, the only real Jurassic Park game that I've really kind of latched onto personally was the Telltale one they did. And I thought that was great. But it also was another story of people who were kind of left there after the incident happened. But, uh, you know, there's a lot of different ways you can tell that story. And, you know, I don't really care about canon when it comes to that stuff. So I'm just fun. It's just fun enough to take place. And is whether it's Isla Nublar, Isla Sorna, you know, to, to take place in those worlds. And there was a game that was being worked on. I think someone, some guy was kind of developing it through dreams or something. But it was pretty much going to be this. And it had a lot of steam via YouTube. But... He had to pull back. I think they reached Universal or someone reached out to him and was like, you're not going to be doing this. You at least have to change the name, the logo, like all that type of stuff. Any association to Jurassic Park. And when you hear that kind of stuff, it does make you wonder if that type of game is already being made behind the scenes. And a good example of that was one guy that was making a KOTOR remake for a long time. It was just a fan-made project. And then they were like, yeah, you got to cut that shit out. And he did. And then they announced that KOTOR remake, even though we're not getting that now. But <laughs> so it's uh, pretty cool to see that this is actually happening. I got to imagine. I mean, this is the bummy thing about all this stuff, right? Is that we're probably not seeing these games, any of them, until the earliest 2025, unless you're like Hellblade or something. But, yep. you know, I hate seeing that stuff because I don't want to get excited and have to kind of shove it in the back of my mind or try to sustain it. I just, I don't want to have to think about something that's coming so far in the distance because sometimes it doesn't even happen case in point with a KOTOR remake, you know, and that's hard. So at the same time, I'm really happy to just see that this is getting made a survival game where I'm going to have to try to hide from a T-Rex or a Velociraptor or, you know, if they, well, they probably wouldn't put the Indoraptor in there, but just all different kinds of actual dinosaurs, maybe interacting with the Brachiosaurus. I would love to be able to help, like, feed it, like, some branches, extend, literally extend some olive branches, you know what I'm saying? And help them out. Will there be out. a can of Barbasol in the game? You got to imagine that's going to be there, as at least as an Easter egg. But riding, you know, it looks like you can drive the, uh, the actual Jeeps, which Jeep, is so yeah. cool. I would love to use those binoculars. I mean, I got to imagine they're going to have all the bells and whistles. This is going to be a very nostalgic game because, Lately, what they've done the last 10 or so years is kind of focus on more of the Jurassic World element of things. And this is going back to Jurassic Park. So for me, I mean, that's one of my favorite films of all time. It's my favorite Jurassic Park film, as it is for most. So the, very excited, dude. I mean, I, I you want to talk about, like, most anticipated games. If you were to ask me right now, like, in terms of what has been announced and, and just coming out, regardless of time, just what has been announced in the future, I would probably say... Star Wars Outworlds and this. Like, I can't think of anything that even comes close to those two, but wow. That's uh, so- Rebirth for you, right, Josh, or am I wrong? No. Okay, I thought you were pretty uh, super hyped for that. I am interested. I'm interested. Okay. But but okay. it's that's more of a game, like, I, I do like it. I, I don't want to act like I don't, but that's more like, uh, you know, my friends Brian and Xavier really love this game, and I want to take part in that as, you know, some games you play on, on behalf of your friends as support, and also because you get a little bit out of it, too. And that's one of those games I... I partake in. Okay, cool. Um, Josh, just so I, we have a ton of announcements left, and we haven't even got to the awards. Um, I'm not in any rush, but you can I just go through a couple of these next ones quick that sure. I don't think any of us care about? Uh, Black Myth Wukong, um, I, it's not something I'm interested in. I don't really know much about it. It's inspired by Journey to the West. Suicide Squad, the less said about that game, the better. <laughs> Am I right? Um don't care about Suicide Squad at all. I, I hope it fails. It's an online only 
open world microtransaction filled piece of crap. I don't no interest. Um, Bro, they got Josh, fucking Gonzo coming out at the Game Awards. What is yeah. that? <laughs> there's a Muppet. There's a Muppet every year, Josh. Did you know that? I did not. That's yeah, what I get for not year. watching it. Um, Warframe. Warframe's getting a new expansion. I don't think either of us care about that. Um, Banishers, Ghosts of New Eden. We got a brief look at, which is coming here in the next couple months. Uh, it's some spooky game. I don't know. Nothing I'm interested in. Um, another game was announced, an indie game called Tales of Kinzura Zao. Um, to be fair, this this is like an indie side score, which means it's not something I'm going to buy. But like the guy who came out and uh, announced it, uh, he was talking about his family. And it was a very emotional speech. It was a very cool moment in the Game Awards. I mean, he got more than... This, this, Guy got the appropriate amount of time he should have got, but he got more than anybody who won an award, which is crazy. Um, but it's a sort side scroller. Um, comes out early next year. Um, that was a cool moment in the show. Very emotional. Um, Lost records bloom and rage. Uh, oh, this actually is one you care about, Josh. I need to slow it down. From the folks who brought us Life is Strange, Lost records bloom and rage gives us massive vibes with a dash of Garage Band life. So it's another type of Life is Strange game. It's uh, Something to do with, you know, garage band life, I guess. Might be something you're interested in. I don't, know. Well, I don't know off the top of my head. Not too interested. But I kind of feel like I think it's Don't Nod. Uh, I don't think I, I don't yeah. feel like they've made something that's got me personally excited since the first Life is Strange. But uh, I was say, but isn't the first Life is Strange like pretty high up your game? Yeah, list? it's probably like a yeah. top 10 of all time. Yeah, that's what I thought. Okay. Yeah. okay. So I appreciate well, that. I appreciate the thought. Tentatively interested. Uh, sure. Potentially at some point. Uh, another game will kind of go by here um, if my browser doesn't. Stop acting up. That's weird. You're good. I it's just hilarious seeing Gonzo out there, bro, and he's running from a chicken right now. It's just so funny. I just oh, watched God. the Muppets Christmas Carol for the first time. Have you ever seen that, Brian? Yeah, yeah, a long time. Classic. Ago. I mean, I see why people love it so much, but uh, yeah, I just <laughs> literally hilarious. literally more time for the Muppets too than the, uh, yeah, than the Game Awards yeah. people. Uh, another game I don't think either of us care about. It's called the First Berserker Kazan. Uh, it's a hand drawn animation. I don't know. Not really particularly interested. Okay. It's Big not based off the, the the manga, is it? Like the comic? Berserker? It might be. It says, featuring visuals that look part 3D, part hand-drawn. The first Berserker looks to feature some pretty intense battles with epic-looking bosses. Hmm. Um, okay. Uh, the next one was one of the biggest moments of the show for me. Final Fantasy VII Rebirth performance and a new trailer. Uh, you get a live performance, which was really beautiful. Or I was thinking uh, of Berserker. Th- I'm sorry. Go ahead. No, it's okay. Uh, there was a live performance uh, for the the theme song of Final Fantasy VII Rebirth, and a new trailer showed off. You get to see Sid for the first time, what Sid's going to look like oh. in Remake, uh, or in Rebirth, I should say. Yeah. Um, Sid looks awesome. Uh, he, Sid's my least favorite character of the party, <laughs> so them designing him this way. He looks like a super detailed version of the Kingdom Hearts one, which I, I kind of liked, really? uh, which is cool. That's so awesome. that was a great moment. Um, do you have anything to say about Rebirth, Josh? No, well, yeah, I mean, did you feel pretty good about it that got you, that got you excited? Yeah, dude, because, I mean, they're just dumping tons of Rebirth content it out. It feels good, it's getting so it? close. We're, like, just over two months away from this game, yeah. which is insane. Um, you know, we get to see... We've seen every character now, um, all the way up to to Sid. Um, the music's beautiful. They seem really confident about this. I'm going to go ahead and make the prediction that Rebirth is probably going to be the highest-rated of the trilogy. That's what I think is going to happen. I think Corey mentioned this on the last episode with his voice clip. He kind of hinted at how I think, and I, I could be wrong on this, but I'm paraphrasing, 
But I think he kind of hinted at last, like in 2022's, uh, it was Elden Ring, comes out in like February. And then right away, it's kind of like, well, that's the game of the year. There it is. Already in February. And the rest of the year just isn't going to be able to match that high. Do you think that could be the case with Rebirth? You know, the one part of me wants to say Remake was a nominee for Game of the Year, the year that Remake came out. Mm-hmm. But uh, it just seems hard to picture, like, Game of the Year actually going to Final Fantasy VII Rebirth. I'm going to go with nominee, but not winner. I don't think it'll win. Okay. No. Okay. Yeah, I'll, I'll go with nominee. Um, Very cool, though, prob- man. That's awesome. And it is great that we're in the home stretch finally. Remake yeah, just had such a good first impression in people's mouths, and the reception was better than I think what anyone anticipated, especially as it, after it went from CyberConnect to in-house to be developed. Yeah. That's usually not a good sign, but it turned out great, and uh, people loved it. And it got us through. It got a lot of us through those early stages of COVID, and Absolutely. you know we've had to wait a while for um, Rebirth. But it is very cool to see that they they look like they're going to hit you know just just shy of that three year mark, basically, which is what pretty um, neat. Would it be no? It'd be four. Well, it'll be it'll be around. Oh, just four. shy. Yeah, yeah. But I'm just, just saying, just shy. shy mark. Most of these sequels yeah. nowadays, is seen, and, and it's understandable. I'm not complaining, but like you know, it's almost like uh, five to seven years for some some of these games yeah. to see the light of day. But uh, this one's going to hit, you know, just shy of three years. So that's pretty cool. What's helping me like understand? Like, what's helping me feel that it's coming out soon is instead of thinking about it coming out early next year, I'm like. If this was an August release, we're in June right now. Yeah. Like it's not that far. Wow. So I'm seeing that trailer now for all those Sega games, Brian. And they yep. did show gameplay footage. I didn't realize that. But wow, these some of these look kind of cool. That Golden Axe one looked pretty neat, man. I'm, I'll have my eyes on it. Have my eyes on okay. it. I want Sega to do well, man. I miss Dreamcast is my yeah. favorite console of all time, you know. And I, I feel like those controllers were sort of the uh, prototype for what we would get on Xbox. And uh yeah, every time, Sega. every time, every time Sega announces or releases a new Sonic game, there's this little thing in me that wells up and goes, "Will this be like the, you know, Mario Galaxy or like, will this be their like Mario Odyssey right. moment where it just right. and it, it usually falls a little short, if not very short. Like Frontiers seem to be like pretty darn good, but like not spectacular. Mm-hmm. Um, okay, Josh, I, don't, I think you might have something to say about this one. Do you remember when Skull and Bones was first announced? <laughs> yeah. Yes, I do. It finally is releasing February 16th of next year. It was the game that was built off the idea from Assassin's Creed 4 where you, you, you're a pirate and you're in ships and stuff. Um, this has been in development hell forever. Most of the things we've heard about it have not been good. I expect it to be a bomb, but I don't want it to be. I just expect it to be. Josh, what do you think, and is there any chance you'd buy this game? Well, I'm going to sound conceited when I say this, guys. But I'm just convinced this game is not going to do well. <laughs> like, I think yeah. it's a laughing stock. Yeah. And I, I, again, I sound conceited, but the thing is, is like this game got announced and it was like, I, I like, I know people, some people were excited. You announce anything, you announce a game called, you know, Shitmeister, you know, and people are going to be, there's going to be like 4,000 people that are like, yeah, Shitmeister. They can't wait for that game to come out. But like, this is not a game that people want. People want pirate games, but they don't want just a ship game, you know? And, like, that's all this is. And it does have, like, some light third-person elements to it from what I've seen. But It says a Ubisoft original, though, John. But it's just a spinoff from Assassin's Creed 4. And from, like, like, a decade ago. People want more of that type of game, not some just ship combat Especially in a, but when that game was announced, that you know the industry was in a different place, and now so much has changed. And you know, 
PVP stuff and also just like shared world experiences, you know, kind of uh, their their reputation isn't as high and hot as they used to be. But you're seeing more of those games come out like we saw from the Sony showcase earlier in the year that people were like, what is this? And it's like, feels like you're out of touch a bit. So, I, you know, I'd love to be wrong. I hope for the people that have put blood, sweat and tears into it that the game turns out awesome. I just feel like this game should have been canned a long time ago. But I think the story behind that is that it was funded by a country's government and i forget what country they have to finish so they it. have to yeah. finish it but uh oof man i don't know i hope it finds its no, audience Josh, i though. think we should i think we should play our old bet and say if skull and bones comes out and is a critical and commercial success you have to eat a five layer bean burrito with sour cream and i have to eat one without i think that's very fair. sounds good sounds good okay this next one josh and you're gonna I'll know eat my own ass if that happens <laughs> I'd like to. I, I, I would like to see that, John. If Thanks, you can make Brian. that happen, I'll. If you can make that happen, I'll watch. I'm, I'm very flattered um, by that. This next one, you're going to know where I'm going very quickly. But this is just crazy, <laughs> right? So, this next trailer comes up, and you see Arcane Studios, and you're like, okay, Redfall came out mm-hmm. this year. Very quickly, you see this. There are certain art style, and you see what looks like vampires. And in that moment, I know me and. An, Thousands or maybe hundreds of thousands across the world were thinking, okay, Microsoft either has the biggest balls, the biggest cojones on the planet, and are just going forward with more Redfall content at Game Awards, mm-hmm. or Microsoft's an idiot, and they're going forward with more Redfall. But to our surprise and to our delight, this was Arcane Lion, who did Dishonored and Deathloop, announcing their new game in partnership with Marvel, a Blade game, AAA Blade game by Arcane, assumedly coming to Xbox only because they own Arcane, but that was also never said directly. Either way, it's in development very early. A lot of people were excited about this one. Josh, what do you have to say about Marvel's Blade? Well, if uh, it makes any of you guys feel better who might be on the fence because of Redfall's reception, I think this is from the team that did Deathloop and not yeah. Redfall. The good, the good, right? <laughs> but. Uh, I don't care. And I'm not trying to be mean when I say that. Uh, I just... It's, to be fair, I don't really care either. Like, yeah. well, I would love to play a Blade game. I think Blade is awesome. I can't believe, you know, we haven't gotten a film since, what, 20, 2006, 2007 with Blade Trinity. And uh, it's taken forever for it to get the, the new MCU one off the ground with Marshall Ali. I think that's how his name's pronounced. I might be wrong. But um, yeah. that's gone through so many different rewrites for the script. And he was almost uh, about to walk away. He's about 50 years old. And they're only just about to get Blade going. And that seems like, man, a missed opportunity to get it going sooner. But outside of the movie stuff... Um, yeah, we, we need more Blade stuff. We absolutely need more Blade. And I love what Wesley Snipes brought to it. I love what Marshala, uh, if I'm, again, if I'm pronouncing that right, is going to bring to it because I, I love his casting as, as Blade. But um, the game seems like a great idea to do. I know we're supposed to get a Black Panther one. Um, and obviously the Wolverine one, you know, is, is still being developed. But uh, I'm really glad to see... Oh, if I can stretch this out and then try to summarize it and reel it back in. Uh, I'm really excited that we're at the point where we're starting to get Marvel games. The The first one I felt like we had, you know, was the Avengers, which was just so out of touch because it's just like when Mar- I think the newest Marvel vs. Capcom came out a couple years ago and people were like, are you kidding me? Like, we don't have the X-Men in the MCU and you're still not going to put the X-Men in this game. And it was just the game didn't do as well because of that. And then the the Avengers comes out on uh, the video game. And what does that do? It looks like a low budget version knockoff of like the actual movies. 
and yet it doesn't really include any X-Men or a lot of these other interesting characters and what happens. It doesn't do as well. You're trying to like be the real thing, but you're sort of not, you know, but you're still staying so close to that. And people just want X-Men stuff. People want more from Marvel in general. Black Panther landed so well in obviously the the passing of Chadwick Boseman is a uh, travesty. And um, I thought Wakanda Forever was fantastic, but you, you miss his presence the whole time. But it's great to see we're going to get a Black Panther game. Long overdue. You know, Wolverine, I think it's about high time we do that. And uh, the fact that we're going to get Hugh Jackman with Ron Reynolds in the next Deadpool, that's exciting. It's going to be a great time for Wolverine fans after Logan, which has been about six years. You know, and now you're you're hearing about Blade. It just feels long overdue. And I'm great to see, I'm grateful to see them tackling these other characters um, that maybe haven't gotten the spotlight in a bit. So very excited. But my biggest criticism was just this game is probably years away. I don't want to hear about it. Yeah, it's it's too early. I mean, I wonder if I'm probably wrong because I don't want to be conspiracy theory like, but I wonder if this was to like help get Arcane's name back on the right track quicker, you know, like having them reveal it. I bet you're right, Brian. I bet you're right. And and also like this is also once again probably like I'm making too much out of it, but like it specifically said Arcane Lion on it. Mhm. To like almost like <laughs> differentiate, differentiate. Yeah, yeah, but maybe they always did that. I don't know. I don't know. Okay, either. Josh, I'm gonna hit on two really quick, and then after that, I can skip through a bunch because okay, I know we don't no. care about this long. Yeah, I'll try to reel it back in a bit. Um, these next two are c- kind of similar of interest to me. One is called Last Sentinel, which is a Blade Runner looking. Um, it's like a Blade Runner looking game mm-hmm. with like a like I don't know. A, I really don't know what it is. It doesn't say if it's first person. Hey, you got me interested. It's open world, Blade Runner looking. looks kind of cool. It's just a trailer. Um, And then there's another game called The First Descendant, which is kind of sci-fi. Kind of looks like Death Stranding, but with like sci-fi elements more. Mm. Comes out in 2024. I don't know much about it. They're just trailers. They look cool. Okay. Very cool. But then these are the ones I'll go through really quick. You can interrupt me if you care about these. I doubt it. There's uh, Zenless Zone Zero. It's a Hoyoverse game, uh, very anime, you know, like you'd expect. Um, Mecha Break, which is a mech game that I don't think either of us are too interested in. GTFO, the final chapter. <laughs> uh, the game was first shown off at the Game Awards six years ago. I didn't remember it. What? But it's, yeah. What? Um, wow. I don't know. Okay. Um, there's another game called Den of Wolves. Got a cinematic trailer, mm. no gameplay. Uh, another game called uh, Exoborn, which is a open world extraction shooter. I don't think either of us care about that. Uh, Asgard's Wrath Two, which is a exclusive Meta Quest, ocu- you know, like a VR game. I know Josh and I aren't going to care about that. We got Monst- Monster Hunter Now, which is a mobile Monster Hunter game. I know Josh and I don't care about. And finally, we've arrived at one I think we can say something about. I thought this was really interesting. It got my attention. Decent chance I'll buy it. I'm not sure. Uh, cool segment, Sean Murray of Hello Games and No Man's Sky uh, fame came out on the stage and talked to Jeff one-on-one for the first time since the, when they met 10 years ago at the VGX, which was the one-off show between when Spike did the Game Awards to Keeley doing his Game game Awards. There was the VGX, which is the one that was notorious for having Joel McHale and Jeff Keeley co-host together, and Joel McHale looked so uninterested. But that's where we first met Sean Murray, and he revealed No Man's Sky, which blew everyone away because you had the ship that could fly directly off the planet into the sky. I mean, we're in 2023, and Starfield can't even do that, so it was very impressive. <laughs> I just had to do that, sorry. Um, but 
as you know, that game was very impressive. It got under Sony's wing. It came out on PlayStation for $60. The game came out. It had didn't have much of what was promised. There was no multiplayer. It was very boring. And then became people hating, you know, Hello Games and hating Sean Murray for years. And then they went on the redemption arc. And they released patch and patch and expansion, expansion. To the point where No Man's Sky has received so much free content. It is far beyond what was ever promised for free. They've built their name back up. Finally, it's okay for Sean Murray to go out in public again. It's been 10 years. Comes out and says, hey, we've also been working on this new game for the past five years. It's already been in development for five years. And it's got a really cool title for a game. I really like it. It's called Light No Fire. And it is kind of the inverse idea to what No Man's Sky was. No Man's Sky was a auto-generated space that you could go anywhere through the universe. This is an auto-generated world where the entire world assumedly as it's i mean this is what he's presented is it supposed to be to the scale of like if you and i were on earth like like as as we are on earth right now like you will it'll actually take that long you know it's not like a man the starfield hate around here it's not like a starfield planet where you have like trying to dig at it it's just a good example like you have like a starfield planet where you like intentionally land on specific areas on the planet you can't actually walk the whole globe Mm -hmm. this game light no fire is supposed to be them using their no man's sky like auto generation technology for you and friends to be able to be on this planet and have the entire planet to explore at the scale of like the planet earth in game not just like little zones scattered across like the first ever game to be a full planet you know countries worth of you know you can fly there's oceans and it's yeah it's called light no light no fire the trailer looked pretty awesome and they're flying on dragons and shit. Multiplayer. Is it any? Has it been said if any of it's procedurally generated or they're actually? Yeah, that's what I mean. Like it's yeah. You I might have said that. I apologize if you. Did. Yeah, I believe that it's auto generated or procedurally generated. Yeah. Okay. So. Well. But it looks really good. I mean, you said it's I never got dragons? played No Man's Sky. Yeah, that's pretty cool. That's pretty cool. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> dragons are cool. The dragons are cool, um, man. But it, I mean, it looks beautiful and it looks kind of sim- somewhat similar to the No Man's Sky. Okay. Um, I have to see that. I, I, I'm, I at the, was, I'm at the Hideo Kojima part where he came out with the the light behind him. Yeah. <laughs> I thought we'll, we'll move on. <laughs> um, next announcement, Josh. Um, this will probably interest very few people. It actually interest, interested me. Okay. Uh, the veterans from StarCraft who left Blizzard went off to create a new real-time strategy game called Stormgate. Mm. Um, and they showed off some of that. You can play it next year for the first time on Early Access. Um it's a real-time strategy game made by the people who made StarCraft. So if you like that, it might be cool for you. Uh-huh. Um, a lot of people don't really care about real-time strategy. It's, it's still um, nice to see people developing games for that, just like Baldur's Gate yeah. 3 with turn-based. You know, those are genres that were so popular, I feel like, 20 years ago, but have At just fallen time. out of favor. And yeah. it's nice to see. I mean, I think of people like you with uh, StarCraft, or maybe it's WarCraft. I forget. Or maybe it's both. But, both. Um, both of them. Yeah, both. And, and I know, I think uh, Jeff loves StarCraft games uh the, the starcraft games that have come out in the past and yeah so any anytime you get some some rts stuff is awesome and i still have a huge love for battle for middle earth 2 mm, yep classic mm-hmm. um josh this next announcement was actually the announcement that got the biggest reaction out of me even bigger than rebirth oh is they come out and say juicy they come out and say oh yeah there's uh two expansions coming out for final fantasy 16 and one's available right now you can play it right now shadow drop don't you love shadow those drop. Oh, dude, and it was for the game that I cared about the most. So I was like, yeah, Echoes of the feel? Fallen. Oh, it was amazing. I, I literally, I was like, holy shit, are you, ta- are you serious? And I was like, fuck, I got to work tomorrow. I can't stay <laughs> up playing it. Um, so uh, it's a $10 expansion. It's about three to four hours. 
and we downloaded it, and me and Eric have been playing it together. We're probably in the last hour or so. We've just been playing it. Where does it take place chronologically? Does it, it insert place, itself into the story, or is yeah, it a separate piece of content you have to start? No, it inserts itself right before the final battle. Ooh, I like that. So, yeah, so it's pretty good so far. I mean, it's not like, I'm not going to say it's like, you know, Knights of the Nine or, or like Blood and Wine or anything, but 10 bucks, it's a nice little DLC with... You know, more uh, enemies and more story and stuff, and I'm really enjoying Shout it. Shout out so. to Knights then, of the Nine, man. That almost feels like a deep cut by today's standards. Yeah, yeah. I, I mean, it's been a while. Yeah, it's been like 15, <laughs> yeah. 15 years. I miss those uh, Knights um, of the Nine Shivering Isles days. But the, yeah, yeah. But then yeah. what's cool, very cool. What's cool, too, is the, the second DLC is called The Rising Tide, which comes out early next year, and it actually features the Leviathan Summon. I don't know how familiar you are with Final I Fantasy. I do know the Leviathan that is. one. The Leviathan was hinted at in Final Fantasy 16, but it was the only summon to not get any actual attention. So it's going to be in the DLC. Oh, okay. So that'll be cool. Did they give any more um, info about that in terms of where it inserts? I want to say they said both inserted right before the final battle. Okay. But, hey, that's awesome, man. And really cool yeah. for you, man. Yeah. Yeah, that was the dopest announcement. I'm glad. Me. I'm really glad, though, that that happened for you and for people like Hawes and other people that got that game. Because I feel like... If it wasn't a year with filled as many games uh, as we got, I feel like Final Fantasy 16 would have got way more attention than it got this year. But oh, yeah. from from myself, who is largely detached, admittedly, you know, it felt like that kind of just came and went in terms of conversation about it because there was always right. just so much yeah. stuff happening, and it deserves more attention. So it would have been a game of the year. That. It would have been a game of the year nominee in a year with less candidates. That's I mean that's what I said about Starfield. We talked about before, like trying to defend those games. Like, yeah, are they worthy of being nominees? Yes, they are. But are they worthy of being a nominee more than the six that got chosen? That's the question. True. Some would say yes. True. Some, you know, obviously, I think, I think sixteen was better than Spider Man, and I think it was better. Well, no, and I think it was better. You got that country twang coming out there, Brian. I think. I think. Man, I definitely I think, think I'm gonna go up and give some biscuits at that Golden Corral. Resident Evil Four remake, but um. To be fair, actually, I probably would have give Spider Man a higher critical score than Final Fantasy sixteen. But yeah, I just wanted. To what see do it. you? What did you give it out of ten? Final Fantasy sixteen mm-hmm. an eight. If I'm being critical, well, in terms of fun factor, what would you give it? Uh, nine. That's awesome, man. That's yeah. awesome. Well, if yeah. you, uh, where does it rank? I probably have asked you this before, but in terms of your Final Fantasy experience, it's sec. It's second only to seven for me. Seven remake or seven OG. Seven OG, then seven remake, then and sixteen. 16. Okay, yeah, yeah, very cool, man. So, That's cool. Yeah, what a way yeah. to shadow drop one and then ha- also I mean, announce, followed up by saying, "Hey, there's also more coming, not too far." Now. Yeah, and imagine, like, imagine your experience playing remake. Mm-hmm. I feel like sixteen gives you that experience remake gave you, except set in med- set in fantasy times. Okay, instead, so. do you know that was that was a game at one point I was very curious about and like genuinely had a passing interest on, but. Do you think you'd buy it on a on a deep sale? Yeah, absolutely, man. It it had my curiosity, but then just in the breadth and width of all the games that were coming out, it slipped between the cracks. We'll be doing a podcast like three years from now, and they'll announce the um, thirty dollar edition of sixteen that has these expansions built in, and you'll be like, "This is my time, bro. I'm buying it now." (laughs) You're right. You're one hundred percent right. And then, like three years after that, I'll be like, "Guess what? I beat it. We're here to do the review." Yeah, right. Oh, and I forgot, Josh, you know what's awesome, too? You know what else comes with this expansion pack? What's that? Uh, the Buster Sword from Cloud. No way. Yeah, That's and I awesome. put it on, and it literally looks like they took the exact model out of 7 Remake and just put it in this game. Dude, I, speaking of that, I thought of you. I, the You know the movie Blue Beetle? Did you hear about that yeah. movie? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So... There's a moment like his suit can like he can basically summon anything he can think of, and at one point he summons the Buster Sword. 
Really? That's yeah. him? They don't, like, I don't, okay, I don't think they verbally now. reference, like, that it's the Buster yeah. Sword or from Final Fantasy, but it's clearly the Buster Sword. So I'm going to watch this cool. movie now. Yeah. It was fun, man. Sword. It was fun. But, yeah. Very cool, though, man. That's awesome. Wow. Okay, we'll we'll rush through the... we got two more announcements I'm left, Josh. The, I don't think we care about either. I'm seeing the Jurassic Park trailer now, but, yeah, go ahead, buddy. Nice. Go ahead. Um, uh, Embark Studios announced explosive new shooter called The Finals that stealth dropped that night. It's an online shooter from Nexon. Um, no interest personally. I don't think you'd care either. Um, and then the biggest, this was kind of like the big, like one final thing moment from the show. It will matter to many. Doesn't matter to you and me, I don't think. The next mainline game in the Monster Hunter series, Monster Hunter Wilds. Had me in the first um, half, not going to lie. Yeah, right. I know we don't care about it, but. Uh, Peace and love, though, yeah, for that yeah. series and the fans of it. Yeah, so that was the big final closer there. Josh, based on that's it for the announcements. I know I rushed through some ones I don't think we care about. Oh, no, you did great. What do you, you think? Great. Always what great stuck out stuff, to you? Yeah. What stuck out to you? Uh, Jurassic Park survival, man. <laughs> yeah. But I think anything the, else? I think I the mean, Final Fantasy 16 stuff is awesome. I think it's so cool just because you're getting something now, like right now, yeah. and then also right later. And I, I love Shadow Drop stuff. I mean, I love the Boulders Gate 3 announcement for Xbox players. I mean, I, yep. I always want. That's honestly my dream. When I go into any uh, E3, summer game, whatever you want to call it, conference of Xbox or PlayStation or what have you, I always want there. Like, my dream thing is to get a shadow drop for something I'm genuinely interested in to where it gives yeah, me that sensory overload. Me and it's never happened <laughs> to me either. So, I, yeah, I, I just think the concept of shadow dropping stuff is just so neat because of what it does for uh, your sensory overload. I literally was in the Discord. I was like, they dropped that 16 DLC. I was like, I. I I have to go to work. Yeah. Like it's it's midnight and my shift starts at two or my shift starts at three thirty a.m. There is no way I can play this. And then I remember I don't know if it was Prey, some DLC was like, or someone in the Discord was like, "Better call in." I was like, "No, I'm not going to call in." But man, <laughs> oh, it sucks. Well, man, so. uh, yeah, I think that's so cool though. But it got you thinking about it, and then you probably I, I'm a, I feel like it's safe to assume. You knew what your plans were for the next day after your shift was over. Oh, yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah. And uh, just to comment real quick on the Jurassic Park survival thing, the trailer just finished. Man, that looks awesome. There were shots of uh, in first person of what looked to be the girl like running just across things or staring good. down long corridors. It's nice to see some pre-alpha footage from it, not just a cinematic trailer. So, yeah. I'm I feel like there's excited. no developer annou- announced for it. You know what? Let me go back already. a quick second. Yeah. But uh, but anyway, um, in, in terms of uh, your quite Oh, wait. Let's see. Shit. It says Saber. Is it Saber Interactive? Oh, yeah, Saber. Okay. Oh, that's right. I knew that. Okay. I forgot. But, yeah. Saber's pretty good. Saber's yeah. pretty good. Uh, did they help out with Halo 2 Anniversary? Wasn't that Saber? Yep. Okay, cool. Yep. Cool, cool, cool. And Halo 1. Awesome, man. Awesome. But, yeah. I guess it'd be, I guess their track record would have been better if I just left it to Halo 2. Because we know most people <laughs> don't okay. like the art for Halo 1. Well, I think, so. you know, the Hideo thing, I still want to see more about it. I mean, I'm happy for Microsoft to really show up with something big. And that was a big talking point, despite my own personal criticisms. I think that's going to be interesting. And, uh, you know, I think that's about it. <laughs> I don't know. I mean, there, there was some cool stuff in there. And I know that so many of those games mean a lot to a lot of people. So it was uh, kudos to them for showing a whole breadth of stuff. I mean, even just, again, not having watched it and you're telling me all that stuff. Wow, that's a huge breadth of announcements um, that oh, had dude, come yeah, out it, from it a game good. award. So it's, you know, it's yep. still cool to see. And, and one of the things, you know, I, I do got to give them praise for that I think is just so cool about the Game Awards is, again, it feels like a celebration of gaming over that year, just like the Oscars are for last year's movies. 
I think it's so much fun because the year is largely done. Like we just saw the release of Avatar Frontiers of Pandora, which to my knowledge is like the last like big AAA game to kind of yep. come out this year. So now that that's kind of done and you have the Game Awards kind of being the victory lap of the, the this year in video games, I think it's very cool to get these announcements of like, well, hey guys, you, you, we've had a banger year, right? Well, let's look ahead to what's coming next year and beyond. It's a really nice tease, and that's all on top of the stuff we get in the middle of the year that is shown off and announced. And I think See, that's very yeah. cool. And I think twenty twenty four shaping up to be a good year. It's just that it's going to pale in comparison to twenty twenty three. I do. Well, it doesn't look like a bad one. I think it's pretty interesting because you have that with the movies too, because of the writer strike. So there's going to be some good bangers coming in twenty twenty four. But you have so much coming in 2025. Like on games, you know, games wise, you have Grand Theft Auto 6. In movies, you have like the the first of uh, the new DCU, you know, Superman Legacy. You have like three uh, Marvel movies, and you got so much other stuff that's coming out. Holy shit, dude. We might see DC movies start eclipsing Marvel movies. <laughs> yeah, I, I think it will just be, at least in the beginning, because of sheer curiosity. But, but you know, case in point, I, you know, just like we saw 2002 was a little bit of a rebound from those two COVID years. I feel like we're like, it was very dry games wise, at least in the second and third halves of the year. The movies kind of like, there were some pretty good movies that were starting to come out. And then I kind of feel like, this year was just a huge bloated release, whereas movies saw tank after tank, games saw just praise after praise with all these releases. I feel like 2024 is going to be this year where we get a little bit of less of all we got this year, but the quality is there over the quantity. Yeah. And then 2025 is another like boom shotgun blast of stuff, and we'll see how that does. But that's Dude, just we just talk about how this was this was a complete turnaround year for Xbox. I thought they killed it this year. Um, just at the show, they had uh, Marvel's Blade to show off. That was Microsoft. They had. Uh, they're the ones in association for OD with Kojima, which regardless of what we think, you know, that's a big right, deal. Right. And they also showed off Hellblade 2 and had a musical performance with Hellblade 2. And then they had up for nominees, they had Hi-Fi Rush, Starfield, um, Forza. I think that was it. But still, like, that's they had a real presence there, which was cool. Nice to uh, see. Like you said, yeah. it feels like a it feels like a rebound for them. Good, a good, a good yeah, confident outing of like we're here now, we're finally there, yeah, <laughs> and also just, here's just maintain, yeah, just exactly, maintain, maintain next st- you know, steady. You don't course. have to go above and beyond. Yeah, dude. Yeah. Um, all right, Bring you ready for these winners? Abs- these winners, Josh? Absolutely, man. But but no, how did you you feel about the announcements overall? You asked me. Um, I thought the show was killer. Um, obviously, I I was big on the Final Fantasy 16 and Rebirth announcements. Um, it was cool to see see Hellblade again. Um, Blade was a cool like. That was, like if that comes out and it's good, like I'll probably buy it. I mean, I'm not hyped for it because I'm not like the biggest Blade fan, but like that was a really cool surprise. Mm-hmm. Um, the performances, like the Alan Wake musical performance and the Hellblade Two musical performance and the Final Fantasy one, were all great. Um, I don't know. It was cool. I mean, it was just a good show. Absolutely, I really enjoyed it. Absolutely, yeah. man. That's, that yeah, that sounds awesome. Cool. And just what I mean, I'm seeing announcements wise is so much fun. And there was some surprises in there that I was like that. I think it was Exodus was the first game I said from the Mass, Mass Effect people. That game legitimately looks good. I didn't know it existed. It's a new IP. Um, so there's it's Bioware? always more uh, Bioware de- people who left Bioware. Oh my gosh, Brian! Can we talk about that Dragon Age thing that came out recently? Uh, which thing? Wasn't it like there wasn't there like a trailer? I, I man, I, I'm blanking. Oh, on it. oh yeah, it wasn't much though, right? Yeah, but I mean, I just I don't know, man. I, I know that's coming out next year, or at least it's supposed to, but like, I don't, yeah, I just don't know how to feel about that. I don't know. I want to be excited. I mean, I want to be excited, but for me, it's like, I just kind of got to wait and see what that game yeah. is. 
I don't have high expectations for it. Bioware's not the same Bioware that uh, I think everyone fell in love with. The sad truth is, if they if they met the quality of Dragon Age 2, I would actually be satisfied. I'm not lying. Yeah. Because I like Dragon Age 2. Like it's There's a, a lot game. to like about yeah. that game, for sure. For and sure. I say that because it's the worst Dragon Age. Well, for me, it is anyways. I, I think the worst for you is Inquisition. Is it, for you, is it Inquisition, Origins, and then 2? Or, I'm sorry. How would you, how would you rank them? Subjectively, yeah. Inquisition, Origins, and then two. I think Origins is by far and away the best one, though. Okay, yeah, it's no. just older, you know, mechanically sure. and everything. It shows you know, Sage for sure. Um, no, very muddy. But. I don't know when that showed up. That might have been before the Game Awards too. But I just remember hearing. Yeah, it was talk about that a couple weeks ago. Okay, okay. But, yeah, I mean, I'll buy it if it doesn't suck. I mean, it's that simple. <laughs> yeah, I will. Yeah, I'm, um, I'm open to it. I just I want. I'm ready to fall in love with it. Just got to be shown the right stuff. Yeah. Um, going into the winners, Josh, we'll start from the bottom and work up. Uh, most anticipated game of next year, we pretty much assumed the winner was Final Fantasy VII Rebirth. Um, I don't really know how good you can feel winning that award because it's mo- – I mean, you don't really have to prove or do anything, right? I mean, I guess you had to show off your game, but it's Final Fantasy VII Rebirth. I don't know. You put on a trailer, it's most anticipated. They're so. winning on arrival. <laughs> yeah, basically. I don't blame them, though, after um, reception built up from Remake. Josh, you'll be excited. The, the beginning of the Larian Studios sweep goes uh, for best multiplayer, Baldur's Gate 3. Awesome, Got man. that one. Awesome to hear that. Very good. Yeah. Hey, um, how did people take to uh, the Shadow Drop announcement? Of Baldur's Gate? On Xbox, yeah. In the Discord. Well, wasn't wasn't it you? Yeah, it was you I was telling. Um, there was no way to take to it because it, it didn't get announced at the Game Awards. Yeah, that's, I suppose that's a good answer, so, I suppose. I mean, people were excited once they found out organically, but people only found out by turning on their Xboxes or seeing people post on Twitter that it was well, now available. I mean, more so, so, has anyone gotten it yet? Did it Did it get anyone? Um, I think Wesley bought it the second it, down, it My man. was hyped. My man. Um, he did tell me privately, I think he's focused yeah. on The Witcher 3 right now. I think he's having a For great now, time with yeah. it, which is awesome to hear. But He says he's going into Baldur's Gate after. That's awesome. I can't wait. I can't wait to hear um, his thoughts on it. Yeah, but no, people were excited for it. That's, yeah, Baldur's Gate 3. I, I would say, like, everyone expected Baldur's Gate 3 to sweep, and in a sense, it did. But I don't think what people expected was that it would have to share a little bit of its room with Alan Wake 2. Okay. I don't think people really expected that, but that, okay. that did happen. Um, best, best sports or racing went to Forza Motorsport, as we both assumed it probably would. Yeah. Um, which is a, a cool. win, another win for Xbox this year. They got best sports racing. Yeah, very, um, very cool. Best sim strategy game went to Pikmin 4, which we both thought would happen, and that's exciting hey, for Nestor. Yeah, that's Nestor, man, getting a dub there. Very cool. Um, best family game, the winner went to Super Mario Bros. Wonder, which we assumed. That was another one they did. I mean, several of these, I, maybe all of the ones, I think every one I just mentioned was just listed off in passing. There was no fanfare. You know, like Super Mario Bros. Wonder, they did not get to come up and accept for Family Game or anything like that. Yeah, that's a shame. Um, so that is a shame. Uh, kind of sucked. Uh, best fighting game, the winner was Street Fighter Six, which I think what is street what are they fighting on? Win. Uh, the sixth one over. Oh yeah, yep, yep, yep. They, I thought that was obvious, John. Yeah. Um, uh, continuing the Larian Studios sweep, best RPG went to Baldur's Gate Three. Uh, I thought that kind of would have to happen. Which one how was could it anyone on? else? Sorry. Uh, best RPG. Oh man, <laughs> Baldur's Gate. 3. I do feel bad for all the yeah. Starfield fans out there. It's one of those things yeah, I'm and, happy to oh, see, like my game in in a sense. Really, just for any RPG fans, because there's a lot of fans of Sea of Stars, Liza P, and Final Fantasy 16 that were also there. Yeah, good point. Bro. Didn't good point. Didn't beat you know Baldur's Gate three either. Mm-hmm. Um, this one I was pretty happy with. Uh, best action adventure went to Tears of the Kingdom. The reason I was happy with that was because I was like, they're not going to win Game of the Year, but it was a, a really good game. 
So they beat Alan Wake 2, Spider-Man 2, Resident Evil 4, and Jedi Survivor for uh, for best action adventure. That went to Tears of the Kingdom. Uh-huh. That was the only thing Tears of the Kingdom won. That's crazy. When that game came out, people were like, Tears of the Kingdom is going to sweep Game Awards this year. And it only managed to grab one because of the games that came after. <laughs> They're like, oh, we can't get you part of the Burger King's Kids Club, but here's a crown for you that you can take home. Yeah. <laughs> yeah that's awesome, yeah. though. That is really That was one that they got to go up on stage for. Um, Anuma uh, got to go up on stage uh, for that okay. one. Okay. Well, that's seconds, good. 30 seconds of Yikes. Ooh. Yeah. Ooh, never mind. Um, best action game went to Armored Core 6. Shout out to Joe. Oh, uh, Joe. That that's happen. awesome. Yeah. Call clap. Fires a Rubicon. Yep. Um, That's really cool, cool, though. Very cool. Uh, Best VR AR game went to Resident Evil Village VR mode, which I think we assumed as well. Um, Best mobile game. This is... I I got this one right. I was really... I knew this one was going to happen. Honkai Star Rail. Remember, you went with Seven uh, Ever Crisis, Final Fantasy Ever Crisis. I was like, that's what I would want, but I think it's going to be Honkai Star Rail because it's that Hoyoverse. People were stoked on it. They did get that one uh, for best mobile. Dude, it's interesting. I feel like Hoyoverse, and this is to my ignorance, I admit, but I feel like they just, you know, I, I, I've never heard of them before. The first time I've ever heard of them is this year, and I heard of so many games that they have yeah. put out this year that it kind of feels like the kid who showed up to the party or like the, the new kid to school, but just becomes popular the first day, you know? Well, it, you know what it, <laughs> it reminds makes it me great of? It's, it's the Fortnite effect, right? Because Epic, like they once Fortnite blew up and they started making billions every second. Yeah. They're like, oh, Epic Game Store. Oh, we're going to buy indies and put them on our platform. Oh, Rocket League? We're going to take ownership of that. Oh, you want Star Wars in our game? I love Rocket League. It's because Fortnite just brings in so much money. Mm. Well, Genshin Impact just makes billions that's okay. constantly. So, okay. so that's where you're getting your Honkai Star Rail. The other game I mentioned earlier, I can't remember. It was like Zeno Zero or something like that. That's very cool, though. Um, Good for them. Best debut indie game, I think... You voted for Venba. It was Viewfinder, Venba, Pizza Tower, Dredge, and Cocoon. I think you said Venba. Mm-hmm. Remember? No, I did. Uh, I did. Winner, winner went to Cocoon. That was <sighs> a big one this year. Yeah, so not Venba. <laughs> Good for them, though. <laughs> I, just to see I know you were up at night praying for that. I was. I was. Uh, staring <laughs> out at the clouds, talking to so the stars. That was, Many that was best debut indie game. Don't get it Don't get it uh, mixed up don't with get the it next twisted, category, Joshy. which is... Best independent game, mm-hmm. which was down to Viewfinder, Dredge, Dave the Diver, Cocoon, and Sea of Stars. I know you and I both said Sea of Stars, and Sea of Stars was the winner for good. best independent good, game, good. which is very cool. Um, if, it, if there's any more you want to say about any of these, Josh, feel free. I'm, I know I'm going no, to. you're doing great, man. I appreciate um, it though. Thank you. This this one I, I love that this one won too because so the best community support. Do you remember from our last episode, Josh? This is where we talked about Cyberpunk and Destiny and Final Fantasy fourteen and No Man's Sky, and we were kind of talking about who deserved it the most. And then at the end, I went, you know what, Josh? I've changed my mind. Baldur's Gate three does win best community support because it's the only game here that didn't launch shitty and then continued to support their community. Because remember, Destiny launched shitty, Final Fantasy fourteen launched shitty, No Man's Sky, Dest- you know. Mm. So it went to Baldur's Gate. Baldur's Gate got best community support. Well, that is awesome to ones. see because I yeah. think, I think ironically enough, by the time we were done recording that episode, they had put out another patch for the game. And then I just saw, I think it was this morning, they put out one for Xbox already. Yeah. Yeah. So they are exactly. on top so of their stuff. They released their game not broken, and then they continued to mm-hmm. support the community even more. Very so cool. that's, that's the third, I believe that's the third uh, award cool. for Baldur's Triple Gate. Triple threat. So far. Um, Repeat. This one, 
this is the this is the award that got the most mixed reactions from not only our Discord but from many people online. Best ongoing game did go to Cyberpunk 2077. I did predict that, but you and me both said that's bullshit. Um, yeah, that's yeah. an unfair dub. It feels like, doesn't it? They won an award uh, for releasing a shit game and fixing it over time. I mean, I know that it was. It said that that award was for like patches and shit, but like, man, I just don't feel like they should be awarded. How about a, how about an award? a bit for a uh, most improved person, basically <laughs> like most, of, you know, in terms of like, yeah. congratulations, you became a better person. That's cyberpunk. There should be like, <laughs> there should be like an angry Joe, like you done fucked it up award that goes, that goes to cyberpunk. $60 so. for this? $60 for blue? <laughs> yeah. Um, games for impact, which is one you and I had no idea how to comment on. You voted Venba cause you knew it. <laughs> um, and I voted for, I think I voted for Vemba as well, just for the same reason. Sure. It went to a game called Tachia. Chia Pet. No idea. No sure. idea. That's a bummer. Um, in good a, for them. <laughs> this, one's, this one surprised me a bit, but another win for Xbox. Innovation and accessibility. I said Street Fighter Six because of the, the blind option. Remember I talked about the guy could play Street Fighter blind. Uh, winner went to Forza Motorsport again for innovation and accessibility, which I guess is that's great, you know? Sure. That's two, that's two wins for Microsoft already. Yeah, right that's true. Good point. Um, Best performance, uh, a lot of people with a lot of opinions here. I really wanted Ben Starr of Final Fantasy 16 to win. Josh really wanted Neil Newbin of Baldur's Gate 3 to win. We also had uh, Cameron Monaghan of, um, or is it Monaghan? I can't get remember. The G is silent. Okay, Monaghan, Monaghan. my bad. It's, all, Survivor. it's all good. The G is for Idris gangsta, Elba. Just like in lasagna. Idris Elba, who was not there, actually. Remember how I said I thought he'd be there? He was not there. They had a stand-in photo of him. <laughs> Yeah, legit. Oh, that's great. I do that with my friends all the time when I'm missing them. Like, so everyone, like, they have a camera on everyone in the audience, like, waiting to see who gets the award, and then and Idris Elba spots just, like, a, a headshot. Of him. <laughs> that's what I've done, guys, for every one of my Patreon episodes. When it's just been me, I got a picture of Brian right across the way. Right. Have you really? No. Oh, man. Damn. Maybe sometimes, cool. though, Brian. Okay. Maybe we'll Do sometimes. it next time. Um, just for you. There's also... Melanie LeBird of Alan Wake 2 I and Yuri Lowenthal. in that question. There was so much sincerity. I almost felt I almost feel really bad now. I thought I thought you were serious. <laughs> well, you, I tell you what, for Christmas just send me a picture frame with you with like your your hand just kind of up to your your cheekbones, you know, just posing. Can I can I can I send you a picture of me like turning behind and just like looking back at my like, butt cheeks a little bit? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Yeah, give me that. Um but winner of best performance, Josh will be happy to know was Neil Newbin of Baldur's Gate 3. He gave one of the best speeches of the show, but was got he got cut off by the music, Ouch. of course. Very cool though. Uh, you got just yeah. great nominees though. Great list of nominees. I'm gonna go ahead and pretend that Ben Starr was number was in second place <laughs> with Final Fantasy 16. Great to see Neil win though. Great to great to see that for him and the team. I feel like that's not just a win for him, but just a win for the whole voice cast. Yeah, they, that whole everyone who worked on Baldur's Gate three seemed like they were just they just felt so so blessed that they got to be a part of the game. Yeah. Because awesome. it just seemed like it was a game that was made right, like without like rigorous crunch and treating people like shit and you know it just and it was just a great game humbleness goes a long way and i think you see the earnestness with that studio across the board so that's uh that's four wins for boulders gate so far uh next one exciting again for microsoft uh, best audio design went to hi-fi rush another microsoft win I, didn't you um, predict that one i think you did I think yeah you did. that's the one i did okay. actually yeah um, cool so well, i good think for that them. was Two for that was two for motorsport accessibility and racing, and then you had um, 
audio design for mm. Hi-Fi Rush. Winners. That's three winners. Then, of course, Starfield was nominated but didn't win. Uh, we go on to Best Score in Music. This is the one where I felt like I really won on this one. I know you and me, Josh, were both like Baldur's Gate, Final Fantasy 16. Somehow Final Fantasy 16 managed to beat out Baldur's Gate 3 in a category. I didn't know if it was possible at this point. Uh, Final Fantasy 16 won for Best Soundtrack or Best Score in Music. I w- I'm guessing very close second was Baldur's Gate 3. Well, it's got to uh, be. I mean, that soundtrack has got to be incredible because Baldur's Gate 3 is like one of the best I've ever heard. So, I mean, for it to beat out that. And I, that's I, how I felt about 16 you know, as well. I'm, I'm, on, I'm only on one side of the fence. I can't see on the other side. Yeah. So, it's easy Same. for me to say like, uh, you know, I feel like Baldur's Gate 3 got robbed. But at the same time, that must mean if Baldur's Gate 3 is as good as it did it is and, and it didn't win, then that must mean Final Fantasy 16 is just otherworldly. You know? I'd be saying the same word. It's like a religious be, movement if, listening to that if one. If it was the other way around, if it was the other way around, I'd be like, it feels like Final Fantasy 16 got robbed, but I guess I got to hear the Baldur's Gate. Right. I, I would have done right. the same thing. Hey, that's awesome, uh, though, Brian. At least you got a W for there, too. 16's, yeah, 16's only uh, win for the night. Uh, Spider Man didn't win anything, and it was nominated for seven. So. I, I, I have seen a lot of Spidey fans having some takes out there about that. Not too happy. See, here's my, here's my thing, Josh. Once again, Spider Man deserved, deserved it, but like. If you look at who they were up against in every category, it doesn't seem hard to believe that they didn't win any. Like, for instance, uh, Yuri Lowenthal, he got beat by Neil Newbin. Is that surprising? I don't think so. Um, Tears of the Kingdom beat Spider-Man 2 for Best Action Adventure. Is that surprising? I don't think so. Like It goes on and on here. Like There's always somebody there who beat them that doesn't make it seem out of pocket to me at all. Mm-hmm. Um, going on to Best Art Direction, Alan Wake 2. Uh, was the winner for best art direction? Very which cool. Is surprising. Uh, was Corey excited very, I mean, for that? Very cool. Was he happy? Oh yeah, Cor- Corey said the two that he wanted Alan Wake two to win. They won. They actually won three, but the two that Corey wanted them. To That's win, awesome, them Corey. To I'm happy for you, buddy. One. Yeah. That's awesome. So yeah, you kind of see Alan Wake two here get his moment to shine sure. with uh, it wins the best art direction, and then you go into best narrative, which also goes to Alan Wake two. We kind of talked about that when we did the predictions. It was like I was like, hey Josh, what do you think? Like. Maybe Alan's. I, th- I think I said to you, I'm like, maybe Alan's Wake gets this. Alan Wake gets this, Josh, because while Baldur's Gate three does have a stellar narrative, like so many people talk about the full package, like Baldur's Gate three, it's about the music, it's about the choices, it's about the characters and voice acting and the narrative, and where Alan Wake two is more focused on that, and maybe that's kind of what came to light here because Alan Wake two did win best narrative. Um, that hey, was one Corey really wanted. Yeah, that's awesome, man. I remember try- we were kind of trying to reconcile like. Best game direction versus game of the year and the thin line yep. there, but uh, they that's awesome, man. That's very yep. cool for Alan Wake. Well deserved. Um, then you go into best adaptation. You and me both wanted Mario to win, um, and you thought Mario would win. I thought Last of Us would win. It was Last of Us. Last of Us won best adaptation. Who came up to accept? What's crazy? You know, it's that was Anthony Mackie came out to 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 to, to unveil that award. It got its whole second whole segment for okay. freaking. Best adaptation. I don't know. It makes no sense to me. Didn't they show off a trailer for like Twisted Metal season two or something? Um, I don't think they showed a trailer, but he announced that there would be a season two. Okay. Huh. Yeah. But I mean, did anyone from Last of Us come up there to accept the award? Oh yeah, um, Neil Druckmann did. Okay. Okay. Well, he's see, and that's what I'm talking about, dude. Like, why does it surprise you at all that the Game Awards? made sure that Best Adaptation, which isn't even a video game, I mean, it's an adaptation of a video game, when it goes, when it comes to TV and movies, and Neil Druckmann is 
coming to accept an award, they make sure to get that guy on stage. Yeah. I mean, but again, just validates but then, my dude, criticism. Best freaking score in music to Final Fantasy 16 did not, it just got glossed over. No one came on stage. Freaking Anthony Mackie and Neil Blum, or not Neil Blumkamp, Neil Druckmann and freaking Last of Us TV show got it. I it just, I just baffles me, dude. I'm glad Baffle. to hear you say that. Like, it's validating in a way, yeah. but I, I yeah. it's sad too that that happened. Well, a lot of people have said that. Like, the decision making just didn't make any sense. Like, did, don't you think score in music or like best family game is worth being on stage for? Like you would think, but then like, but best adaptation going to Last of Us on HBO. Got to get those Hollywood gotta friends. Got to get in their pockets, man. He's like, I want to be Dude, invited just, so bad. I want to be. Oh, you guys are so cool. I just want to be part of your friends group. It's like the Mean Girls, and he's like Lindsay Lohan trying to fit in with Rachel McAdams, bro. And he just wants so bad to be in there, and it just changes who he is, and he loses touch. And now he he needs a whole movie about how he found his way back. But I just hope that happens in real life. I, that's what next year's story needs to be. It needs to be Mean Girls too. You know. You know what I'm saying, Brian? Yeah, I, I know what you're saying. It needs to be just like Mean Girls too. Yeah, man. That's what you're saying. I just picture that 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 gif of like the the black guy who's like his eyes are real low and he's just like whack. That's whack. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah. <laughs> uh, best game direction also goes to Alan Wake two. Corey said what he wanted was best game direction and best narrative to go to Alan Wake two. Mm -hmm. He got his wish on both accounts. Alan Wake was very well represented here. Um, and then finally, game of the year. Went to Baldur's Gate 3, as everyone predicted. That was the Blah. I think, fifth, <laughs> yeah. I think that was a fifth award for the night nice. for Larian. Nice. Uh, they had the most awards. I think second would be for Alan Wake 2. And uh, yeah, um, yeah, Sven came up on stage in full plate mail armor. And he gave a brief speech before he was rushed off and forgot to announce Baldur's Gate 3 uh, is on Xbox now. And uh, that concluded the show. But uh, it was a great show other than the obvious. And it feels like everyone got justice for awards, justice. In, my, in my opinion, except for Cyberpunk getting best ongoing. I felt like everyone else in that category was frankly robbed. Yeah, um, seems that way. But hats off to Larian Studios. Very happy for them for this huge victory. I mean, let's see what they do with it now, right? You got all the momentum in the world of a game being critically reviewed across the board. I saw a TikTok video of this guy wearing like a Spider-Man shirt, just some streamer guy. Don't know him, but he's watching the Game Awards or I think I think he was watching a trailer of the announcement of it coming to Xbox and he was reacting to it and at first he's kind of like, you know, eyes are glazed over. And then it does that thing that a lot of these uh video game trailers do when it's been out for a while where it shows all the scores you know, like in a frame yeah. and he sees like yeah. all these tens and he pauses it. He's like, hold on, man. He's like, this game got those like across the board. He's like, are you kidding me? And it, you could see it almost kind of get him curious. And that's what I wanted to see come out of the, uh, this, the game awards is, is for this game to kind of make people turn their heads at least. But, uh, that is awesome. We'll see what they do with it with the future. They got nothing but momentum. Now the game came out. Hope they don't pull a CD project red and make their cyberpunk, which, Loses well, man, all credit. They you know, lose all you their feel like there's yeah. drama for every studio, and if it hasn't happened yet, it's always just a matter of time. And and you know we're all humans. We're all going to make mistakes. So no one's perfect. No studio is going to be perfect. But um, you really do hope that they don't follow the same suit. You want you want them to just continue that that level of quality. The game comes out. It was reviewed super well. And one of the things I talked about, I, I was actually talking about on my Instagram story. I thought was pretty fascinating. Actually, is this game not only launches and has the critical acclaim that it has across the board. But then on top of it, you know, this gets, you know, the, the, the voice cast 
you know, which is just so great to its community. Um, and they're so interactive on all their different platforms that they are. So the voice cast is, is just something that people attach to. Um, on top of it, you know, then the game is constantly backed and being supported and fixed and, you know, patched and everything. But what's also interesting is within all those three things is to see that, one, the game gets staggered uh, staggered release on PC. So you build up the hype for that coming out. Then it comes out. People are playing it. Streamers are playing it and reacting. And people are watching those streamers play this cool game. Then it happens again on PlayStation 5. And now it's happening again on Xbox. I don't yep. personally know of another game that's ever got that staggered of a release where when the hype kind of dies down, where I talked about something like Final Fantasy 16, where it kind of feels like it came and went in the breath of all these other games. You have something like Baldur's Gate 3, where the recency bias got to constantly pop up and refresh because it got those subsequent releases. I think that is so you, unheard of. Can you awesome. imagine the... In April, when we get the Switch release of Baldur's Gate 3. Oh, gosh. Can you imagine how that's probably going to look? I, I saw, I've seen uh, pictures of how the Arkham trilogy looks on. Oh, my gosh, dude. <laughs> Freaking Batman's face looks like mashed potatoes. <laughs> yeah, but uh, <laughs> that's awful. But um, uh, it's, it's what do you think? What do you think Larian's next game will be, Josh? You're going to take a shot in the dark. Is it the same type of I, game or they're going for something I new? I have to imagine. it's got Before they do anything else, it's got to be Baldur's Gate 4. Really, yeah. I actually think I, w- I thought they were going to pull the CD Projekt Red and just go in a different direction with something new because they've made a lot of games like Baldur's Gate. Well, Divinity right. Original Sin seems like the type of games that are like the, uh, you know, almost like Baldur's Gate. Baldur's Gate Three is the spiritual successor to, but yeah. I just don't see with as much popularity that you don't right away try to get a sequel to kind of like solidify that. Yeah. You know, I mean, they didn't do it for Witcher, but well, at the same time, you did have CD Projekt do three Witcher games before they kind of. Jumped into doing cyberpunk. True, I guess they only did one of the three Baldur's Gates. Yeah, that's true. Yeah, so I mean, we'll see. But I, I, I feel like even Wizards of the Coast has got to be looking. I, I think they did tweet out or something like that, like a huge congrats to them. And I got to be imagining at this point that They're like we uh, want more. Of yeah, that. we want more of that. That made us look really good, and we need the money. And uh, that's a you know on top of the movie that came out that had some pretty decent word of mouth. Uh, yeah, that's got to be good for them. I have to imagine they follow it up. Yeah, yeah, man. This was a freaking. Uh, it was fun doing this, and I, I'm just really excited for. I mean, I, I don't think it's possible for me to be as excited for 2024 as a year as I, I was for 2023. For me, like on a subjective level, it's not my favorite year, but I think objectively, this is the best year in gaming. What do you it's think been it's amazing. The top three. Uh, top three. I mean, off the top of my head, it goes this 2007 and maybe 1998. Maybe if I take out 1998, maybe I'd go 2011. Well, not to be Johnny on the spot here, but for people, okay, for people who aren't as in touch with that stuff, listening, what would what uh, makes nineteen ninety eight be part of that top three? Ninety eight was the original Half Life. It was the original Starcraft. It was Ocarina of Time. I think it was Metal Gear Solid, and a slew of other games. I forgot. Oh, well, those are great examples, though. I also thought two thousand and eleven was pretty good, but uh, two thousand eleven, you had Skyrim, Batman: Arkham City, um, you had Gears of War three. Uh, there's some other really good yeah. ones that I'm just clearly. But you're right. Uncharted uh, three and yeah. deep cut for '98. That just goes to show your passion in the industry, man. Very knowledgeable there. Well, yeah. I mean, luckily, I mean, Ocarina of Time kind of draws my eye there. But, but you know, I like StarCraft a lot, and that goes there. And like Half Life was a huge turning point for the industry. Absolutely. Well, so it was for um, Jeff Keighley as well. up there. Like, this is how I'm going to get in here. This is how I get to the Game Awards. I plant the seed now. Oh, Josh, you're going to love the name I have chosen for this episode. Yeah. You want to know what it Absolutely. is? Absolutely. What is it? Episode two twenty six. Jeff's hand chosen. 
<laughs> that works, man. I like that. Yeah. I like that. Fan chosen. Yeah. Um, but yeah, do you want to go into the patrons real quick since it's been a while we can get out of here? Well, uh, yeah, real quick before we do that. Am I missing something? I'm sorry. No, you're okay, man. You're okay. okay. But uh, what, yeah, where does this rank for you in terms of award shows, you know, game award show? Like, game award was there any, you know, what's your favorite one? Where does this rank kind of amongst the favorites? It's really hard to keep track of them all because they're all very samey. Sure. I would say this is in the top three. If we if we discount the drama, which is fair drama, or I, I shouldn't call it drama. If we discount how Game Awards, you know, the the nominees and the winners were not able to talk that much, I would say it's in the top three. Okay. But there's been better years than this one where people also got to speak a lot. And it was good for announcements and game award stuff. Like I remember, I remember liking last year a lot because Elden Ring and Ragnarok kind of swept, and there was the speech with Christopher Judge, which I loved, even though that's what led to this. I guess um, there was some some cool announcements. Um, I remember the year that Crash Team Racing Remastered got announced was really cool. I think that was twenty nineteen. Yeah, that was the year you get um, married, man. Yeah, but I'm I'm gonna go ahead and say unless I'm forgetting something, I'm gonna say that probably last year was probably my favorite year, I guess, okay. with Elden Ring and Ragnarok. Um, yeah, well, it's very I don't cool, know. Man. It's hard to keep. I think I think uh, I think the Game Awards has only improved in a lot of ways over the years. Like I think they've just gotten better and better and better. Like world premieres, um, exclusives, you know, cool moments. Yeah, per, uh, or for instance, like um, holy shit, their musical performances are out of this world compared to what we used to get. If you go back, you guys go right now, go to VGX Game Awards VGX 2013, and it was like some rap from like Grand Theft Auto, and it was just like, well, like this rap. really. Sh- it was like this like outside venue, and like some dudes just came out and they're like, "Yo, yo, fuck them, fuck them, fuck them, <laughs> yeah," and it was like. <laughs> And I'm like, it just felt like so not professional, and it just felt so like not game awardsy. It just, it was, it was. Did he really? Did someone really do that though? It was just very like I'm not trying to be like disrespectful to genres of music because I I love rap, but it just felt very like I don't know, like thuggish, dirty rap, and like it didn't seem to have any correlation to like. The audience that they were going for, and you like, heard that little John Christmas song. I heard that at work recently. Out. I was like, "Damn, this slaps!" But uh, but the, the Game Awards has gotten better in so many ways. I just think it's a shame that one mistake with Christopher. I mean, I, I hate to paint it this simple, but it seems like one mistake with Christopher Judge going. I mean, it was it was kind of an egregious mistake because eight minutes is like, you know, even though he meant well, even though he meant well, like eight minutes. That is a long time for you to stand on stage and speak. It just sucks that one mistake like that led to such a heinous overcorrection this year. So. You're right. I think, you know, I'm patting ourselves on the back, but I think we're both right. I think you're right that it, it this show was a huge overcorrection of his eight minutes, but also the eight minutes is a little too much. And I also think that uh, Jeff Keighley wants the validation of Hollywood so bad that he compromised uh, a lot of what was really supposed to be at the heart of this. Oh, the yeah, show. Yeah, I mean, I think the show. Think about this, dude. The show is three hours, and then they do a thirty-minute pre-show, three and a half hours worth of time, and you could only give sixteen minutes to people talking about 
what these are the people that literally make up the industry we even give a shit about like the people actually building the shit got 16 minutes of a three and a half hour show next year i don't care what you have to cut i know money has to be made and like advertisers have to get their time so if you have to cut world premieres to let each person receive an award get to speak you know at least two minutes then cut the world premieres we can live as gamers give it to games opening or night live well, or or freaking some, something else i think you know? 30 seconds to a minute i honestly think if there was a way they could forewarn people that are being invited for potentially winning or who are up for potentially winning awards just tell them you have a minute 60 seconds is a long time to get up there and talk about you know how appreciative you are or how much it was a labor of love for the experience that's a lot that's enough time to get up there and express that stuff and then start playing the music a minute it's 60 seconds of someone standing there talking you know, we've gone on soapboxes longer than that. So, see, I'm not opposing you on that, Josh, but I, I would wager that if our podcast went out to a hundred thousand people, a lot of people would probably be upset with you saying that because technically that's only twice. What well, it just depends time. on the approach second. you're going for. I mean, I don't understand because this is something that is this on television? Is this broadcast on TV? I want to say there is there is a way to watch it because if TV. it's just streaming, it's like, well, then why are you on such a time limit? And rushing people through stuff when you kind of have the floor to run it as long as you want, and you have an after party that people are going to and stuff. But maybe it's because but they run it three and a half hours and still, do, and that doesn't include people getting enough time. To yeah, speak. so, so it's like, and you you make all this time for your buddy Hideo that you're deep throating in the back. So I, I mean, I don't really whoo. want that type of, I don't really want that type of stuff. I want I want to see the announcements take a backseat. Let that be the fun stuff that's interspersing in between people getting their awards. You know, so people can go up and have time to talk yeah. about it. I'm just saying, like, I mean, if you're trying to balance it, I, I look, I, I don't see that Je- Jeff is not going to go back. He's not when you get too far into something, it, people don't often like cast out the fishing rod and reel it back suddenly. And they're like, oh, yeah, we're going to do less game announcements, less ads that make us money. And we're going to have less time talking to these big Hollywood people that we're popular with. I just don't see. But if anything, they'll probably try to manage it more. But, you know, that's why I say, like, if you're going to do it with Jeff's approach, at least give them a minute. But I, I think I think they deserve to have the floor at least. You know, like if if I had it my way, I'd say you got three minutes. Three minutes is a long time. Go up there, say what you want to say. You deserve it. You up to it. three minutes. Yeah, but as little as you want, but up to three. Absolutely. Minutes. I, think that's I think what it was, and I could be wrong. I'm pretty sure when Christopher Judge went up there last year, they didn't have any means to stop him out other than Jeff walking out on stage and saying, "Stop." So they were kind of caught with their hands behind their back, and then that's when they ended up just like at the like seven minute mark, whatever. They started playing the music. So this time they had this giant slideshow screen that said, "Please wrap this up from the moment you get out on stage." And then you have somebody like you know Neil Newbin, for instance, who's out there trying to accept his award and say something emotional, and he's like, uh, "I, I uh, he's looking out at the screen. He's going, I, I don't really have much time, so uh, uh, okay, I'm done." Mm-hmm. You know, it's just you don't want someone to feel pressured when you're like awarding them for their achievements in this industry like yeah no it, I just, it'll get course correct i, I wish you know again I, I i'm ignorant i don't understand how all this stuff goes and how much challenging it is how challenging it is to operate it and the financials that go into it and everything and again you want to have a show that at least gets uh that is prestigious enough that it has a good reputation for it. You don't want to put all that into a show, have your name attached to it, and then see it just be made a laughing stock of, you know. But 
I wish he would just embrace, embrace the personality and chaos of the people in the industry who, you know, obviously like you don't want someone to go for eight minutes, but at the same time, like you want people's personality to shine through. And there's so many in the industry that people just love to see on stage. It's why people joke about Todd Howard, you know, being God, like God showed up at E3, you know, this is awesome, you know, because how little we do, do we see the guy and he has that Michael Scott voice and people just, he's iconic, you know, and then you get people like yeah. Joseph Fares, you know, who's got that larger than life personality, Christopher Judge, who's going to get on the soapbox. Let these people cook, you know, like that's the whole point. It's a celebration of all these people that worked on these things. And you should be ashamed of yourself if you're not going to allow those people to let their personality shine because that's what makes the experiences that we care so much about. That's why we pay the money to get those and why those people get the paychecks they do. They deserve to be able to be thanked for that. It's a thankless industry on, on their receiving end because so much vitriol is online. That ba- and I'm, I'm a firm believer that bad news only exists because it's an exception to the good that we don't see in the world. So the fact that we get so much bad news out there and so much vitriol on the internet, this is the one safe place where these people can get up there and pat themselves on the back and say, you know what? Thank you. It does feel good because this felt like a, the game of the year. This felt like we had such good direction behind it and the team was, we were all backing one another. You know, and be up there and be goofy and show personality so that we can see these are real human beings. Like, don't, he's got to change, man. He's got to change it. And I, like we said, I, I know he's got, he's going to, he probably does feel bad behind his dead cold eyes. You know, you know, what's funny is I remember last year when I was, I was really active on Twitter when the game awards came out last year and Jeff got a ton of shit for playing Christopher judge off the stage. Like he got ran over the coals for doing that. And I'm like, damn, that's kind of unfair. Like if we're going to give him crap this year, like what was he supposed to do? I mean, <laughs> You're right. The guy was people like forever, people like, like him, when you have that kind of platform, are always going to be under so much scrutiny that they can never really do stuff right. I feel like like the complaints we have are definitely, I feel like, more universally objective than they are subjective. Like I'm not over here saying like like me me complaining about these announcements, saying that they're so far off, I don't care. That's more of a subject subjective. Yeah. It's cool to see those announcements, but the people not getting their time to uh, you know shine with these these awards they win and doing some of them like scuttling some of them. Um, that's more something objectively that needs to be course corrected. But absolutely, but yeah, you're right. Though, it, like, it shows that that seems unfair. You don't want to see here. the the coveted game awards at the end of the year celebrating games be the thing that disrespects the industry the most and right. that's i would say i would say it almost got there this year the only reason i say that is i think i think it only kind of became very apparent of the problems of this show as it concluded like i think we all kind of noticed it a little bit mm-hmm. as we were watching it but once it was over and everyone was able to reflect it became very apparent like whoa there wasn't much like celebration of our of our industry and and letting those people who make the industry what it is talk um so i think he gets Luckily, like, obviously, he's getting raked over the coals right now anyways, but, like, I think this is kind of a pass to, like, you know, the show did well, and people were mostly happy with the show as far as entertainment goes. Mm-hmm. Just fix it for next year, because if next next year people are going to be paying really close attention to how every award goes, how it gets how it gets uh, um, delivered, and how much time is given to the people to speak, I think you get a pass this year, but well, you got to have it next you're year. You're right. So. I, you're right. I think the more Hollywood it gets, the more eyes are going to be on it, which is probably what they want. But then the more scrutiny you're going to come under to make this right. And, uh, yeah, he's got to, he's got to fix it for next year. He's got to show where, you know, even if that's what he, like, he clearly personally cares more about the Hollywood side of stuff like that shows. But if it's called the game awards, you, you, you have to kind of put your own 
wants aside. I think you kind of hinted at that earlier too, but you got to kind of put that aside and make the show about what the title suggests it's going to be about and have that other stuff be in addition to that. You know, I don't go watch the Oscars and see new trailers for movies. I only see that at the game awards for video game announcements, but it's always about, it's supposed to be about the people getting up on stage. And even if it's conceited, even if it's like, you know, everyone like patting themselves on the back, which, you know, in the wrong, right context, wrong context can sound good or bad depending on how you want to look at it. But the Oscars is about people getting up there and being able to say like, thank you so much. This felt so good. And this was a team, the stunt performers and blah, blah, blah. You know, you have that infamous Sally field. One of you like me, you really like me. And a lot of iconic moments like that and people telling jokes and, and it's always about, you know, it's like, I know it really pisses people off, but the Oscars is also a lot of times where the winner will like Meryl Streep did it. Like, I don't remember what it was. I think it was something to do with equal pay for women, Mm -hmm. but People like Meryl Streep will get up and get their award, and they'll use their moment to highlight an issue, a social or political sure. societal issue. And I know that usually pisses a lot of people off because whenever you do awesome. that, you're going to make. But, but for me, it's like you know, they won this prestigious award. If they want to use their moment to shout out a cause, even if I don't agree with it, you know, I mean, go ahead, you know. And like, who 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 might have said? And maybe that has something to do with it too. We didn't talk about that too much. It's like. Who might have said something about the industry layoffs and how much the industry suffered this year had they had more than 30 seconds? Jeff would have slit their throats stage. when they got backstage. <laughs> You're done. Yeah. Like you just would have saw like like the person's up there accepting their award and they're like, okay, I'd, li- I'd like to speak now on all the layoffs industry this year. And suddenly you just see a red laser dot appear on their forehead. And they're like, <laughs> yeah, bro. <laughs> <laughs> like, and you look and you have um, Jeff Keighley behind the curtain and he's like mouthing the words, I'll kill you. I'll kill you. Do you think these dead eyes haven't seen death before? Yeah. But anyways, Josh, you ready to go to the patron shout outs? So hey, out absolutely. But to, just to put it one uh, more positive spin on it, it's awesome to see this is a great victory lap for the, the one of the best years in gaming, if not the best year of all time that, you know, we've said uh, time and again. And uh, happy to see that there were a lot of great announcements on it, stuff to look forward to. That's always so that's for Brian and I being like OCD minded. We strive off of having things to look forward to, even if it's just what we're going to eat when we get home after work. So very cool. And uh, still sounds like there were some really cool moments and uh, people still had a good time despite, you know, a lot of the criticisms that are out there. So, and I've had fun recording it with you between the last episode and this one. So it's been some great uh, talking points. Yeah, I'll just throw it out there. I I didn't count it because it wasn't really on any of the publications websites because it was kind of a side thing. But I guess there was also a a player's choice uh, award uh, at the game award that went out as well. I don't remember us being able to vote on that through the main list of the website. I don't know what happened, but uh, it was 100% fan voted, and that also went to Baldur's Gate 3. So if you count that, six uh, awards for Baldur's Gate 3 that night, which is pretty freaking huge. Yeah, and one thing we forgot to talk about, and I don't know if you're in a hurry to get out, so if you want to skip it, we can if you need to, but uh, we forgot to talk about the Fallout trailer. Oh, go ahead and talk about it real quick, Josh. Um, I'll let you go because you probably have more to say than I do. Yeah, so the Fallout trailer got um, announced, or I'm, I'm sorry, got revealed and uh, this is for the video game series that we were kind of talking about last week. And, I mean, it's supposed to come on Prime Video next year in April. And I think it looks phenomenal. I'm really surprised to see that this is going to be uh, taking place kind of canonically within all the other games. It's going to be complementary in them to it. And that's really cool to see, kind of like you said, I, when I re-listened to uh, the podcast we did. And you you said you made some comments saying something like, this is the complete opposite of what they're doing with the Halo show. Which also got its Season 2 trailer. Uh do you have anything? Dude, it just it, this this is where you could get me on a soapbox. Go ahead. But it's just like Go ahead. You know, 
you can go back and listen to those episodes from the Halo show came out. Me and Josh were both trying to be optimistic as possible. Even me and my hype, I gave that show a 5 out of 10 at the hype back then, mm-hmm. uh, the peak of hype. Um, the Halo show, it, it got down what it looked like, but it just didn't follow the story at all. They made it separate from canon so that they could have more liberties. Liberties they took made it worse. It was cringe a lot of times. It just was it just awful. Well, then you have this Fallout show by Amazon, and it looks aesthetically like Fallout. It's got the director from Westworld. It is set within canon, and you're thinking, holy shit, we think, I think they got this. I think this might be something that is additive to my fandom for the Fallout games. Mm-hmm. This, is, this increases my love for it, not takes away from it like the Halo show does. And it just makes you, after seeing Last of Us come through this year and Mario come through this year, and now you're seeing Fallout, you're going, why did Halo have to pay the price? <laughs> yeah. Why? You heard about that show for so long, and it was going to be a movie, then it got reworked into a show, and you're like, it's finally here. And you're seeing those previews of Master Chief in the armor, and it's like, oh, this is looking awesome. And then it turns out the way it does. And like you said, in a state when video game adaptations are finally getting like good, like really good, it sucks to see that Halo was like the one that kind of slipped through and, and bombed. But yeah, I'm excited for this one. I mean, we saw the Brotherhood of Steel in there. We saw mutants in there. You got uh, Ella Purnell as the lead, as someone uh, Lucy is the character's name, and uh, she was in Miss Peregrine's Home for Peculiar Children. That's where I recognize her from. Walter Goggins, though, um, he's been everywhere. He was uh, like people would most likely recognize him as a guy that got beat on in uh, Ant Man and the Wasp. But uh, I remember him from Major League Three, deep cut, okay? But uh, he's playing the ghoul, Cooper Howard. And I think he's got a backstory because I remember it showing what looked to be like a flashback of when he looked like he was human. So that's going to be cool to delve into. And I'm assuming he's a sidekick to this Lucy character. But then Kyle McLaughlin, which is a big name. And he's playing uh, Hank. He's playing Lucy's father. So I I almost get some Fallout 3 vibes there a little bit with the father daughter stuff. So I don't know. We'll see if he, like is alive or if he dies or something, but there are a lot of other familiar faces, um, that people would recognize, but, uh, case in point, the casting seems pretty strong. It's going to have eight episodes to my knowledge and it comes out in April. Very excited for that. I'm surprised you didn't make any comments about, uh, yet again, another eight episode order. It's always eight. That's a great point. I, and I, I appreciate that you associate me with that, but yeah, that does, that is a bummer, but for the, for the show looking to have as good of a budget as it does, um, I guess I'll just take what I can get uh, for now, and, and yep. uh, hopefully they can expand on that. But yeah, you do miss the days of hey, twenty. Hey, maybe some we episodes. maybe we watch that show and review that show on. Here. Hey, that could know. be fun. Could. You know, the art of the filler is just something that I really miss. I, I miss in television because yeah. those did a lot for. I remember that in the last Avatar, especially oh, yeah. had a couple filler episodes that were just phenomenal and did so much. Sometimes your best memories of a show came from something. Fun. Yeah, one one in mind that I remember I cannot stand is that one in the office where I think the dude has to come in. He comes into the. Oh, they just play they old just play episodes. Old. It's too? a clip. It's a clip episode. I, I've never liked yeah. clip episodes. But, That's a uh, waste of time. But yeah. but the other ones, the other ones where it's just nothing really. It's a nothing burger kind of. It it actually does more for character development than it doesn't. So we've lost that. But hey, show looks awesome, and you you you're pretty excited for it too. That's great. All right, guys. Um, we have the ad that plays at the beginning, but I'll just go over it another time real quick because we haven't really done this in a long time. But if you guys want to support us monetarily for as low as a dollar or more. Go to patreon.com slash sacred icon. We would just love that. We appreciate it so much. But if you can't, that's okay. Let your friends know about us. Uh, Like us. Subscribe to us. um, You know, send in an email to sacred icon podcast at gmail.com. 
And uh, let us know what you think of the show or something we said you agree with, you don't agree with. Send a voice clip. We'll play it on the show. It'd be great. But I want to go over and read off. Did we get any voice clips for this one? We did not. (sighs) I didn't ask for any. Well, send in some, guys. I love hearing your guys' voices, especially not being in the Discord lately. I I miss hearing from people. Ooh, I'm losing my voice, though, so I'm glad we're about to get out of here. Let's go through these patrons really quick I low-key want to stretch it out um, to three hours for everybody, but I, I understand we're at the end. I know, I know. Um, and somehow, I don't think Eric is home yet, which is weird. He should have been home already. Um, but we have our boy, Darren.jpeg. Thank you so much, Darren. You've been awesome. Appreciate you. Um, Trickster, Jacob Nyrene, Death Ghost, Installation 00, Boba's, Fe- Boba's Feet. Boba's, Boba's Feet, Fet. Brian. Come on. Boba's Feet. Deante Ombre, Wesley Types, Sparkies, Hocus Locust, William Green, Albino, I Irving TV, AJ's Dank, Fallout 152, probably excited for the show. Ian Rucker, Josh the says, book? there it is. He's a rebel, he's a saint, it's Shin Rebel. Ascending from the ashes, born anew, it's the Irish Phoenix. I can't wait for you to rehear we that got- listening, that really picked up good. Ascending from the ashes, born anew. <laughs> Next we have not the dab, but the dab. Then we have Jared Hartley, Small Print TV. Aaron, Colton Pittman, Rodan, Butter My Waffles, Nerva, Anthony Dorsey, ACDC Outlaw, Chris Kiko, make Greco, see my Greco, Chris Greco. Josh says, bro, why don't you do that one more time? I said, okay, Josh, here it goes. Chris Kiko, make Greco, see my Greco, Chris Greco. We got Tony, who's somebody we love. <laughs> Tony, man, I, I just got to shout out Tony real quick. I've I've talked to him so much. A couple a couple people have have came over and chatted with me on Instagram since I'm using the stories feature so much. And Tony's always tagging me and stuff. And he, he went on a little drive recently down to this one, like Christmassy area of his town, a little bit out of his town and was taking me through with some of his clips and stuff that he was showing me. And I, I was watching that at work and I completely forgot for like five minutes that I was at work. And I was like, man, I love this dude. I just love Tony so much, man. Just always wants to make people happy and make people laugh. He, he's the most consistently positive person I think I've ever met. He has met, so much so. heart. Yeah. Absolutely love yeah. that dude. Love everyone. Absolutely. But yeah, love, love you, Tony. Continue, Brian. Um, we got Nick Terry, Mustard Chief. You know, Josh, you know what disappointed me about Walton Goggins playing the ghoul the most? What's that, Brian? There's no way for him to have a huge mustache like Ares 0430 does because his skin was burnt off. Unless you're like Anakin Skywalker in Return of the Jedi where he's still got like eyebrows. <laughs> like when you see him. Yeah. <laughs> but that was. He didn't want to, the actor didn't want to shave his eyebrows. That was 83. That was a long yeah, time ago. True, true. We got Montana Menace, Green Plumber, Joshy Big Boy, Ryan Barca, who's the biggest NASCAR Thunder 2003 fan. Dustin Mondre, Anthony Nicolosi, Corey Hanks, Preyanchu, MH Cosplay, coming through the scene with that ODST chili drop pot. <laughs> I haven't heard that in a while. What a call Been a back. while. Been a while. Yeah. Um, Ian Big Dog Mills, Spiciest Meal Lord, Photon, KN Nick, who says, this podcast is quality. I'm going to support you guys. Appreciate it. Thank you very much. The OG Halo podcaster, Dust Storm. And finally, the man who saw Justice League and knew it needed more. That's Matthew Salvatore. Oh, I'm sorry. Oh, I wasn't, I wasn't sure. sure. I wasn't sure. I didn't want to interrupt yeah, okay. buddy. I'm sorry. Matthew Salvatore. Matthew Salvatore. There he is. Though. Been supporting us since November 24th, 2019. You know what, Josh? You said you want to make this podcast last until three hours. Mm-hmm. Um, Erica's still not home. I realized it's because she was going to pick up, I think, groceries or something. Yeah. I don't know if I can promise till three, but let's let's play this out a little bit here, right. Josh. You want to? This could be a bonus for people who stick with who us. Listen, it didn't. Who not didn't everyone get does. Off, you know, they get the, that bonus. The patrons. Um, I was going to say, Josh. I I beat. I'm finally done with Witcher three now. No spoilers for those listening. Wesley, whoever, not going to spoil anything. Well, congrats. But, um, I played through all of The Witcher again. I also did Hearts of Stone and Blood and Wa- Blood Ooh. and Wine. I managed to do everything in 72 hours, nice. uh, I, which is crazy because like I didn't skip all the side quests. I did skip 
plenty, but I did not. I did a lot of extra. Somehow I did it all in 72 hours. Um, but weird take for you. I think – now, I thought Blood and Wine was amazing, one of the best DLCs I've ever played. If you told me to give it a score, I'd probably give it a 10. I think Blood and Wine was my least favorite part of Witcher 3. Nothing wrong with that. I don't Isn't think that weird? that's a weird take, but why was it? Well, because my favorite part of Witcher 3 was the main story, mm-hmm. you know, the base game. Sure. Like Siri, find Siri, the Wild Hunt. Yeah. And then I really enjoyed Hearts of Stone. I thought the uh, I thought the the villain for Hearts of Stone. Well, there's kind of two villains, kind right. of, and they're really good. And I loved that it felt more connected to the main story yes, yeah. than than Blood and Wine did. Um, so I just loved Hearts of Stone, and then I got to Blood and Wine, and just Blood and Wine to me felt so obviously separate from the right. Rest. I look at it as Geralt goes on vacation, but it's it's a very much closing. It's a victory lap in of itself. Of yeah, the overall yeah, and I think that's why it was my least favorite part. But I loved it, man. I mean, the the whole and you know, like I said, no spoilers. I mean, the cover art deals with wine and vampires. Right, very cool. Yeah, very cool. The area of Toussaint that you travel to is beautiful. Mm-hmm. Um, there's some things that happened in the the quest line that I thought was like, oh, this is super neat. Yeah. You know, playing into you know what the Witcher is based on. Um, yeah, I really enjoyed it. Playing it again just reminded me of how much I loved it. The game's a 10 out of 10. The DLCs are a 10 out of 10. Um, well, I love what yeah, you, dude. I love what you said about uh, loving um, Hearts of Stone. That was my favorite one, too. I mean, Blood and Wine is great, and I love the the ending cool. scene you get, which is the closure. But I absolutely loved Hearts of Stone. And I, I think yeah. for me it was maybe 10 hours, roughly. But uh, yeah. I, I loved you have sort of this guy that almost looks like he's straight out of Vikings, you know, the show. But then you have this yeah. other guy, who Gontro Dim. Was it Gonter? I think it was. Uh, Gaunter Odin. Yeah, yeah that sounds And uh, he was awesome. And there's a bit about him that... He looks like a random villager. Yeah, but that's what was the cool thing is there was some information yeah. about... There was some reveals about some of that stuff and uh, I thought was awesome. So, man, that's awesome to hear, Dude, Brian. Just, just as Hearts of Stone like, was coming to a conclusion, some of the last quests you do, I was just like, oh, this is freaking cool. And then how it ends is so cool. And um, yeah, the Witcher... That, that was a good refresher for me because I played Witcher 3 and beat... I beat Witcher 3 the month it came out. That's the last time I beat it. So it was like, just like trying some quests I didn't even remember. Yeah, dude. So it was like a really great refresher. Sure. And um, and you did more uh, now than you did then. So you got a lot. Of yeah, I basically did. I did almost all the side quests in Skellig, in, Skellig, mm-hmm. in Zima. Did you skip a lot um, of the Gwent? I skipped. Well, okay. So I skipped all the Gwent in the game. Mm-hmm. And I skipped a couple quests in Hearts of Stone, and I skipped a lot of quests in Blood and Wine okay. side quests. Yeah, Blood and Wine was like just a 20 be- to 30 hour experience, which is just crazy. Yeah. When, the thing is, is, like, it has nothing, it doesn't matter what the game is. By the time I'm like, I've been playing Witcher 3 for over a month and nothing else. Like, when I got to Blood and Wine, I just kind of wanted to do the main You're story. You're ready to be done. Side yeah. quests here and there. Yeah, I'm ready to be yeah, done. And that's, you know, that's nothing against that game. It's just, just no, so many I, hours. I felt so, the same uh, way. Like, and I, I mean, I did all of it, but like, I felt the same way though. Is like, I've been playing this for like a couple years on and off, and I'm like, I'm loving it. It's great, but also like, I've been spending a long time thinking about what I'm going to play next. <laughs> so I'm ready to yeah, move yeah. On. So yeah, which is yeah, why I, I constantly next- kept coming back to it and chipping away because it was just it was going to take me. I didn't I, I didn't want to play one game for that long a period of time exclusively. So, but it's it deserves it and it's amazing and I'm glad dude that you beat it. What would you give it overall? Oh, a 10. I'm more like a 10. Yeah. It's all a 10. A 10. I mean, it's 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 crazy like so like I jumped into that fall um Final Fantasy 16 DLC DLC mm-hmm. right after beating this. 
And it's just crazy how like the whole objective subjective thing works, right? Because I jumped back into Final Fantasy 16. That game's linear. And like I went off the beaten path in 16, and there's like a chest that I opened for some gold. Like that's it. Yeah. And like and like the DLC for 16 is obviously nowhere near as ambitious as like Witcher 3's. And I'm like an hour into playing Final Fantasy 16 again, and I was like, I like this better than Witcher 3. I just do. <laughs> That's all right. I just, it's That's just, I'm a simple man, and I just like simple the game. Oh, kind of like, man. It's just weird to like to be able to look at it and be like, wow, this is like, which, like Final Fantasy 16, if you're trying to compare them, like I know you don't need to, but like it's such a downgrade from Witcher 3. Like the, 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 the side quests are not near as good. The, the story's not as ambitious. The, the, the off-the-beaten-path open-world stuff's not there, but it's just like, yeah, but I just enjoy this one more. So, you know, it's whatever, you know. but Well, let me ask you yeah, something, Brian. Cool. Have any What games out of this year have made it into your top 50, or at least is something you think is going to be in there as time passes and you continue to flirt well, with that? as you can imagine, I've been making plenty of adjustments because I just obsess over that thing. Mm-hmm. But um, I think four games have made it in the top 50 this year, okay. which is pretty impressive. Um, Final Fantasy sixteen. Uh, Tears of the Kingdom. I think I am gonna. I think I am gonna keep it in there in the top. Does it go above uh, Breath of the Wild, or does it? I think so. The problem is Breath of the Wild was like this transcendent magical experience, mm-hmm. and Bre- and Tears of the Kingdom felt like I'd seen it all before. Problem is, is Tears of the Kingdom just does everything better. Like everything, the, the story, the the temples, the everything's better, bigger, um, better, more badass. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I would say so. Um, Resident Evil 4 Remake would be in my top 50, mm-hmm. another one that came out this year. And uh, what was the fourth one? I was going to say probably made it this year. I'm trying to think of what that was. Final Fantasy 16, Resident Evil 4. Hmm, I'm just going to pull it up. Do you, do you, have, you have what? Do you have just one that made your top 50 this year, Baldur's Gate 3? Yeah, I suppose, though. But that's not a diss on the other games I've played. Which yeah. wasn't as anywhere near. Oh, Starfield, dude! I was forgetting Starfield. Okay. No, that makes Starfield. That makes continue to make Starfield look so bad. No, Starfield, Resident Evil Four Remake, Tears of the Kingdom, and Final Fantasy Sixteen all in my top fifty. That's four top fifty games in one freaking year. That's I don't, awesome. I've been. I'd have to do the research, but I'm guessing that's never happened in a year before. Does any um, like, do any of those crack yeah. your top ten? Uh no, nothing nothing cracks the top ten. I would imagine that would be pretty pretty prestigious and tough to crack. Yeah. I mean the last time a game cracked my top ten was Final Fantasy Seven remake. Three years ago. That was twenty twenty. but I do have uh at number twenty three I have Final Fantasy sixteen. That's the earliest like place for That's the highest up is Final Fantasy sixteen. Yep. So. Okay, well, that's pretty cool, man. That's four games. So, so yeah. okay, but I want to ask you then, Josh. So, I mean, obviously you haven't played. The only games you've beat this year, correct me if I'm wrong, is Hogwarts Legacy, Jedi Survivor, and Baldur's Gate. Well, you haven't even beat Baldur's Gate technically. But yet. out of the new releases, yeah. Okay. I played through all the Gears games this year, which was a big deal. So, that for me, that was awesome. But yeah. that doesn't count. So, yeah, you're talking new releases. So, I know, as of right now, is it is it as simple as KOTOR is your number one game of all time, and then your number two is Baldur's Gate 3? As a placeholder, yeah, I'd probably say yeah. As a like Baldur's Gate three's probably beat Oblivion. Oh, oh my gosh, Oblivion! <laughs> well, you just refreshed me. No, not right now, not right now. Okay, but uh, so I'd say Baldur's Gate might be third. Yeah, I would say third's so a safe spot. I think so. Your top three games of all time will be Kotor, Oblivion, and Baldur's Gate three. That's a badass probably. top three. Yeah, so much. Well, it's. You know, KOTOR, Star Wars, and uh, just opened me up to so many, you know, what a RPG could be and decision-making stuff. And Oblivion is just uh, the Elder Scrolls that uh, got me on board. And uh, 
I don't know, it's just got such charm to it, despite its datedness, and it just ages better. It's like your favorite movie that's almost like a cult classic now. That uh, it's almost like it sounds bad, but it's almost like what people feel about the room, where they're like when I for the movie, I mean the room, but like when I play Oblivion, even though that game is got such a better reputation than the room does, it's one of those games where like I quote so much now, even to myself. Yeah. And yeah. I just can picture it's it's got a charm to it through its own. What's made it so great is kind of what's what the life it's taken on outside of the game. Yeah, that's perfectly said. Summarizing it up always. Uh but yeah, no, and then Boulder's Gate three. So yeah. If you were to be objective, what do you give Oblivion out of ten and what do you give Witcher three? Oblivion objective. I will give an eight out of ten. Would you say in then Witcher three? Yeah. Witcher three's gotta be a 9.5, if not maybe a 9. I think it deserves a 10. I just, I know there's like. It's got, I mean, every people, game's got problems. People don't like the combat as much as I do, for example. Yeah. So I understand yeah. that that's maybe a, a big slight. And that's, I mean, gameplay is a huge part of video games. So that's a big deal for yeah. people. But I mean, dude, your list, that's awesome. That's really cool to see that that four made it, though. That's really, really cool, man. And your yeah, top dude, that's, 50. Because I know you kind of play thinking, around with that a lot. You shuffle the deck a bit, you know, and, and it's not. Usually. Yeah. Go ahead. Usually my top 25 don't move. Like, usually those are just there mm-hmm. year after year. But the bottom 25, I'm always like, uh, I'm like always like, uh, I don't know how I feel about this and that. But um, Well, and you also had Phantom yeah. Liberty, you know, that that's is DLC. But I mean. Yeah, I did. But I, did I don't know bump? if you were around when I said this, Josh. But I, I've, and to my credit, I said in the Discord while I was playing Cyberpunk, to my credit, I said, I am way too caught up on the hyperbole right now and the hype to know how I really feel about it. I had. Um, cyberpunk on my top 50 for a week or two. I took it off. Ooh, what made you put it on? What made you take it off? The world is so bleak and awful. (laughs) Yeah. I just like, I, the game is amazing and everything I said about it is true and I will replay it. And I love that game, but in a, in a good way, I I hate that world. I kind of hate it. Okay. Like I don't like how it makes I don't like how it no, makes me feel. No, it was a that was a heavy game. That's why I like I wanted to watch Edge Runners when Joe was really championing it upon its release. But I thought, man, I just I feel like I kind of just left this world, and I need like I, I need dude, my Disney yeah. vibes. I need to like counterbalance. See, I need the bleach. That's how I feel. I started I started Edge. I didn't even tell Joe this. He might have guessed it, but I started Edge Runners after I beat Cyberpunk. Mm-hmm. I got two or three episodes in. I just, I don't want to feel like that. Anymore. Yeah. You know, and like, it sounds like such a little bitch thing it's to say, not, but Ryan. it's like, it's just, and I loved the game, obviously, but like, the world basks in the awfulness. And I know, like, somebody could be like, oh, well, haven't you seen Game of Thrones or haven't you played The Witcher? It is not the same. Game of Thrones and Witcher, they have moments of hope, they have happiness, they have redemptive areas, you know, fam- well, I don't think familial you have to bonds. Even that. I mean, that's, I think that's understandable for like, mental yeah. health. I mean, like, that is a lot of hours of just bleakness and depression and like nothing's going to get better. And no matter how much you try to dig yourself out, you're always, you're just going to dig yourself it into a worse. whole other hole. So I, yeah, and Edge, yeah. Edge Runners, it had like, it had like, oh, this guy, this dude got murdered. This guy lost his mom. Oh, you walk down the street, there's people doing drugs and there's like a, fa- an Edge Runner, there's like a fat guy yeah. who's wearing like a freaking device on his dick <laughs> that like, masturbates for him and i'm like that is not the kind of content like i like i'm not saying i'm like a prude and i i can't watch it i'm just saying like i don't want that for my entertainment and it's like for instance like let me take game of thrones or witcher for example game of thrones and witcher they have like really high fantasy like cool moments of like kings and queens and castles and monsters and quests and then they'll have like oh yeah this 
there was some banging going on in the background. You know, these two people were banging. Or this guy was like cutting this dude's ear off and feeding it to a goat. Yeah, that stuff's kind of dark. But it's kind of like, it's like a dash of darkness. It's like, here's Game of Thrones, and here's like 10 or 20% dash of darkness. But Cyberpunk feels like the primary function That's the game. percent darkness. <laughs> yeah. That's the game. And it's like, yeah, it's just It's great lot. for what it so is. It's just you have to kind of balance that out emotionally. You know, I, yeah, so it's it's not on my top list, and the reason it's not on my top fifty is just because I think it's hard for me to be a fan of Cyberpunk. Like I am a fan, like I love that game, but like it's hard for me to be like I want to put my two feet in that world and like live in it. And it's like you know, I kind of hate being. There. I get it. I, I think I felt that way with God of War twenty eighteen. It's like that is not a game I would say is a Joshua type of game. And but I played it, yep. I beat it. I thought it was it deserves the ten out of ten stuff. I mean, it's I, I I have no criticisms. It's just in terms of personal taste, it's just not my type of game and the mood and setting and stuff. I I need something with a little bit more happier vibes. But I know people would say, well, Josh, that's part of that's the journey, you know, and that you go through. And I don't argue that. But that's just you know, I'm the guy that yeah. loves Disney movies, you know. So, <laughs> but uh, you know, it, it, it reminds jo- me. Go ahead. Well, no, you go ahead. Well, what you said actually reminded me of, and I, I don't want to necessarily spoil it, but. Uh, the new Indiana Jones. I watched that recently. Yeah. And, I ha- yeah. What about it? Um, it's just really depressing. Like Indiana Jones, like it's a whole different topic for another episode, but you know how they have like a lot of legacy uh, characters these days that are kind of like when you see them again, they're like in depressed states or they're or in between the time we last saw them. And now they've like, their life's gone to crap. It's like that with Indiana Jones. And it was kind of, it oh, bumped me out. I don't like that. Yeah. I t- do you want one spoiler? Or, or do you think I should? I mean, I don't care. Okay. Well, I'll just say this. If, if, if you guys care about Indiana Jones 5 spoilers, skip ahead like 30 yeah. seconds. There's a part, like, the movie starts with him, like, super depressed. And it's revealed that, like, even though Kingdom of the Crystal School ended with him getting married and stuff, that woman, the actress is in that movie, but it's revealed that they have gotten a divorce because Mutt went to war and Mutt got killed. So they just, he, he dies, like, off screen. Indiana Jones, no one... That's Shia LaBeouf's character? Yeah. No one cares about, um, like, the students that used to, like, almost crush on him in the older Indiana Jones movies. No one cares about the lessons he's trying to, to talk about and everything. And um, it has a little bit of come up. It's at the end. But it's, like, it's almost like we have to break this character in order to build him back up. And I think writers have to do better. But case in point, Indiana Jones movies never really felt depressing or, or saw Indiana Jones in a yeah. depressed state for long, and I'm playing, and I, we're watching that one, and I'm just like, some of the stuff is good in this, but I'm also like, man, it's just sad. It's just sad, and I like that's not what I, I yeah. don't want that for too long. And we went and watched a Christmas movie after we, we watched Candy Cane, Lane with yeah, Eddie Mur- Mur- <clears throat> Mur- Any Murphy baby. So. Yeah, I don't want to consume constant relentless awfulness because it does get to you, no. and like people can say like. I mean, maybe some people are just tougher. I don't know, but whatever. But like, people can be like, "Oh, that doesn't get to me." But like, if you if you consume that only long enough, it starts to seep into you. you absolutely, know? absolutely. Uh, oh my gosh. gosh, I thought it was. Hi. I thought it was interesting. Mm-hmm. I I was looking at my list, and I have another year that has four games on it from the same year. Let's hear. So on my list, the the year that's competing with this year for how many are on my list is 2011. Actually, oh, Ge- I have Gears of War three, Dark Souls. Skyrim and Arkham City all on my list, all from 2011. Wow, man. And that was the year we met. Yeah. Wow. Dark Souls, Skyrim, Gears 3, and um, what did I say? What was the other one? Arkham yeah. City. Yeah. That's awesome, dude. That yeah. is... So, two years. Man, that's fantastic. Dude, wow. 
That's crazy. I mean, and that goes to show just how much you will pl- actually play through and beat games, unlike me. But, I mean, you'll play the new stuff. You'll now, Josh, remind me, like, was there ever, and I, I don't say this, this is going to sound like a dick thing, I don't mean it this way, but, like, was there ever a year where you played games, like, rapidly a lot a year like I do, or have you always played them slower? Uh, probably. I probably have played them slower. I don't really know. So I suppose that kind of is the answer right there. So probably not. Yeah. Yeah. It's more a movie thing with me now. I've watched over a hundred movies. I think almost 150 that have come out this year. So yeah, yeah, I thought of you the other day because okay, so you yeah, you weren't in the Discord, so I was thinking, I was adding up how many hours I played games this year. Obviously, I can't be meticulously perfect, but you know, between in-game time and all that stuff, I added up and I have estimated, <clears throat> I've estimated that in the last year, I have spent just over 600 hours in game. Ooh, nice. That's a lot. So, That's hefty. That's awesome. Yeah. Just, well, and then so we added up Erica. She spent just over 300, which makes sense. About half of them. Okay. And I was thinking to myself, I was like, I was like, how? I was thinking to myself, I was like, how? You're going to like this. Well, actually, you'll hate this. I was like, how have I played just over 600 hours of games this year when it feels like I've played less than ever? Mm-hmm. And it feels like I've always like have stuff to do with Erica and the baby and stuff. And I was like, and it hit me. I used to consume movies and video games and TV shows the same amount every year. I used to do it all. So I think, you know, of course, I'm just kind of making up numbers here, but I think what it was is back when I was single, I was consuming six, seven, eight hundred hours of movies and TV and games. I was doing all of it. And at this point in my life, I've pretty much laid down movies and TV on a sacrificial pit for me to have game time. Right. So it's pretty much me giving up movies and TV to make more time for games because I have less time overall. So I think I'm playing games just about as much as I was when I was single, but I ain't watching any of the movies or the TV I used to. I'm never going to the theater anymore. And I think maybe you're doing the same, but maybe less games for movies. It started to transition that way, yeah. But And I don't mean this whatsoever as an insult, but I mean, uh, I, I've, I've kind of noticed that this year. And I, I've kind of noticed that it's more, if you watch something, it's more what Eric is interested in. Because if you have any spare yeah, time, yeah, I, I I use my time on yeah. games. Yeah, and the, but that's where your passion is, and movies has kind of taken a backseat. Whereas like movies have kind of become my main passion. Games have taken a bit of a backseat. Yeah, but so I mean, to your credit, that's why I you know I, I wanted to ask right from the get go, like what you thought of the show, because I mean this was clearly something that you were super excited for, and I knew there were a lot of criticisms, especially ones that I had to give. But I thought I don't want to poo poo over something that you care a lot about. You know, that's that's so monumental big. But, yeah, I, I, you got me thinking. I was looking at my stats uh, for movies, at least, as, as you um, were talking about your time. I've spent 564.8 hours on movies. I've watched over 320, Ooh. and I average about six movies a week, so almost a movie a day. And in uh, video games, if I had to guess, not the yes, but... I think it's I'd probably be between three and four hundred because I played. I've already got a hundred hours in Baldur's Gate three. It was at least a hundred hours for Harry Potter, um, and I probably at least like fifty for Jedi Survivor. And then I played through yeah. like six Gears of War games. Yeah, so, you're over three hundred. So a little, just a little over three hundred, but I'm probably under four hundred. So, but yeah, yeah. So that makes sense when you can, when you figure in you know your your movies plus that you're probably around seven hundred hours. Have you watched any shows this year? Not not shows? as much. I'm just not as much a show guy because of the focus commitment. I like, for movies, it's just like it's like a two hour experience, and then I can move on and I can go into another universe, new adventure, and stuff. But that's not a knock. Yeah. I started Ted Lasso just recently, and you know, because I've heard great things about that, yeah. so and I'm I'm liking it so far. But no, I haven't. Uh, I don't finish shows as much, just because it's like Josh, something you got to start and stick with for a while. 
Let's. We're at the two fifty nine here. Two fifty nine. Two two hours and fifty nine minutes. Plus, we got to cut off like a minute or two from the beginning. Mm-hmm. As our final thing, let's each ask each other a "Would you rather," and then we'll we'll get out of here. Okay. Um, you have to think of it on the spot. I haven't thought of one yet, even at this moment as I'm I speaking. I haven't thought of it, but I'm gonna I'm gonna. Oh, you go first. Okay. You go. I first. heard this somewhere else though, so that's why I'm gonna ask. Okay. You. <laughs> okay. I'm not that quick on my toes when it comes to would you rather's. Well, this is this is somewhat of a would you rather, but okay, Brian, for ten million dollars. You get ten million, right? But yeah. a snail for the rest of your life is always following you. And if it gets up, oh, catches I've up to you, one. the snail yeah. kills you. I wouldn't do you it. You wouldn't do it. I couldn't live in fear of the snail. I know. Because <laughs> even if you're working for <laughs> like eight hours, you're like, what if I'm in this room too long? Where's it at? Well, like even if I'm like, okay, the snail's here, yeah. I'm gonna move to Russia. <laughs> I would just worry that in like 23 years i would forget and he would have made his way there yeah <laughs> yeah you, know? you move on with your so, life there ain't no way like he died just be like oh remember that snail like you know there's no way oh he took a boat oh it's been 23 years oh he's on my leg i'm dead he shows up Shit. on your arm and he's like remember me yeah yeah <laughs> well, okay josh answer. what would I you do it either let's see what would you rather do um, I have half of it, kind of all of it. Um, let's see. Well, in the meantime, while you're thinking, I'll say real quick, I'm still watching that stream as we've talked. I saw Matt Mercer come out, which was really cool. I love Matt Mercer, so that's probably my favorite part. Um, and uh, I'm seeing they're setting up that uh, No Man's Sky thing or whatever that new game is from that yeah. studio. So. Light No Fire. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Pretty cool. Um, okay, Josh, would you rather spend the rest of your life celibate or lower your left butt cheek into one of the the fryers that french fries go in full of f- hot grease at um, McDonald's. <laughs> I would go celibate easy. Yeah. Are you serious? As much as I make <sighs> jokes you- on that stuff is I mean it's that's not important in real life especially as you get older that stuff's not connecting with people and like the actual like love and caring for one another is not as important as into like actual physical intimacy. Like, yes, that that's important to some people in some facets. You're going to fall in love with a woman and you're going to be begging to lower your ass. In the <laughs> no, man. I like, I would never, if a woman was handicapped or if she was blind or if she just was like not interested in that type of stuff, that's not going to be a hang up for me. That's not going to be a problem, but I am not you dipping got, my ass in, in grease, man. I am not. I'm dude, you know, you know what made me think of the dipping in ass and grease? I I heard a story once of somebody who worked with a guy who set he was it was the end of the night at McDonald's. Yeah. He took the grease tray out and set it on the ground and forgot he set it there and turned around and stepped his whole leg in. Oh my gosh! And because of the pressure of of stepping, you know, his whole leg went in. He he had like third degree irreparable burns. Oof. I mean, it was. Oh man, ugh. Mortal Kombat character. I can't imagine. Can't imagine it, dude. Can't she man, that's bad. That's that's ooh, that's gotta you know be what? painful. Hospital visit, guys. This was a, a three-hour episode after we did another like borderline three-hour episode before. It's like old times, Josh. Maybe we need to look into like setting up a different time to record. I was like I was actually like, thinking like, about this days. recently, and I thought, you know what? We normally do stuff on Saturday mornings right after work, and I'm like dead. And then you're just waking up, and, and it's I, hard. And, I, and my and my wife and kid are home. Why don't we try doing it on Fridays when you get home from work? Fridays, yeah. Um, yeah, that would probably work. Yeah, yeah. Like I might not be able to go three hours all the time because Friday nights are crazy nights. But um, or, no, or but, Thursdays, I, mean, even if I don't we, know. We'll, but, but I mean, we're not going to guarantee three hour episodes. No. But maybe we'll we'll be able to do it at times where we're like, oh, we can go two today. We'll feel a little bit more energetic, minutes, you know? I think. Yeah. yeah. So. But no, we can try that. All right, guys. 
Well, thank you so much for tuning in to both our nominees and our uh, winners. Thank you, guys. I love you guys so much. To everyone that's reached out to me uh, via Instagram, it's been so great to still talk to you guys and hear what you're up to and doing. And uh, this was fun to do, Brian. This was fun. Yeah, this was awesome. I think this will be another banger episode and something to get you all through your commuter work. I have one last thing. We to love tell you guys. You. I'm sorry. Oh, okay, I'm sorry, on, Brian. Let's I'm let's sorry. Let's I keep it. forgetting my buddy Steve at work has he told me this joke and I'm gonna butcher it and I know he's gonna correct me because uh, I can't remember it for sure. But he listens to a couple different podcasts like everybody does. And there was like one night where he was like, I was like, God, I can't remember how it went, but I was like, What are you? Uh, what you listen to? And he was like, Music. You know, and he's like, because, you know, there's these really cool guys uh, that, that talk about video games every week. And, you know, they're they're the oh, sacred icon boys and they just don't have an episode this week. And I was like, oh, and I had a moment where, like, I paused where I was like, oh, you know, like, I'm, I'm, I'm genuinely interested in what he has to say. And I'm like having this out of body experience that he's talking about these other this group of guys. And then yeah. it like hits me and I'm like, oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, dude come on man i was like that's us that's, that's us dude and i i was he, he's he's so nice with that stuff and always listening to uh the episodes and and just giving me feedback and offering his opinion well thank stuff. you so much yeah you said jeff steve right? no it's steve steve yeah. oh steve is awesome steve is well awesome. thanks jeff anyways but steve thank you <laughs> we gotta have jeff on for the no. dune 2 episode oh yeah that. absolutely we'll um, you know what makes me feel good is like you know we missed that one week and and then I put up like those two like kind of like deleted cutscene episodes to fill in and felt kind of bad about that. And then we missed obviously this Saturday, but we're coming in Monday. But if you guys look at it, we got two episodes at three hours. That's six hours of content. That's really like we didn't miss anything. And we're having so another lot. following it up just in a couple more days with a Saturday episode. Yeah, I'm assuming. So. Absolutely. So, <laughs> but yeah, sorry about Did that. Decide, dude, to cut you off. Yeah, man, but love you guys. We're gonna, I think unless we change our mind, guys, our episode this Saturday will be um, Josh and I talking about what we're looking forward to. In the year of 2024, as far as games go, maybe movies, we'll see when we get there. But guys, thank you so much for listening to another episode of the Sacred Icon Podcast. And as always, keep it sacred.